Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back to a special edition of the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I am your host, Ken. I'm joining me in studio, as always, it's the co-host, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And folks, like I said, we have a special episode because Cosmober is in full effect. Yes. Now, if you're just joining the show, what we do here on the ODPH is during October, we try to interview the best of the best cosplayers in the local area to give you the breakdown of everything that is cosplay because it is con season. We've had Robocon, we had New York Comic Con, Sci-Fi and Horror Fest, Scaricon. Basically, if you're going to any convention, whether it's sci-fi, gaming, what have you, you'll see people dressed up in costumes. Uh-huh. And it is defined as cosplay. Now, it is a cool experience to go and see everybody in their costumes and just get their true fandom out. Yeah. But we can't do enough justice talking about it, so we brought in the experts. And we have two experts in studio that we've been long time wanting to interview. I am super excited for this. First and foremost, he was on the show previously. You know him from the Sound Around Comics blog post that we do every Wednesday. We share it on our page. It is the one and only Justin Credible. Hey, guys. How's it going? Justin, thank you for coming back. And you did not come alone. He brought Crisis Cosplay in studio as well. What's going on? Hey, guys. Hey, thank you for coming on the show. We are going to be talking cosplay this entire episode, well, plus with some more movies, TV, and yes. comics. So definitely join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And for this episode, let's do the hashtag, hashtag ODPHCosTober. Yes. So as we said, Crisis Cosplay and Justin Credible Cosplay are in studio. So let's start it off by asking, when someone says cosplay to you, what's your first reaction? I'm going to defer this one to Crisis. It's excitement. It's just the second somebody says cosplay, whether they're even talking to me or just near me, I just like kind of pop up ninja style and I'm just like, did you just say cosplay? Because I, I just, the second someone says it, I kind of like try to like swarm them in as like my children. I'm kind of cosplay mom now. And I, I'm just like, let's, let's talk about it. What do you want to do? What, what are you interested in? A lot of people are like, uh, I don't even know where to start. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know where to start. But I just, I immediately get excited and I, I get very giddy and I won't shut up. So, but I like to, I just like to geek out with everybody about it. So the second somebody says cosplay, it's just like lights in my eyes. So No, that's awesome. That's a great way to, you know, a great reaction to it. And what would you say is your definition of cosplay? So if somebody comes up and asks you both and says, what is cosplay? What is your interpretation of it? Uh, cosplay to me is taking a character that, you know, you 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 enjoy that you feel represents you in some way and not only cost costuming in as that character but immersing yourself in that character like being able to walk around and be that character and you know it, it it's a it's a range of uh there's a range of personalities that you can just achieve just by slipping on a costume and just pretending that you're someone else, someone that you may even look up to or someone that you may even, like, I don't know, fear in some way. You know, like, I, personally, I cosplay as the, the Joker sometimes, and it's really fun to do because, you know, I'm always cracking jokes and I'm always, like, being entertaining and, like, 
fun and wild, but you know, there's a certain there's a certain like respect that you have to give to the character because you know you are you're portraying one, something someone who's considered the the most insane character to have ever been written. Yeah, that's a very good point. You're also you can be pretty scary as the Joker too. He'll just be standing there all happy and like laughing, and then he'll just be in your face with his teeth out and like, oh well, now I am afraid of this man. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's one thing, especially when you, you take someone like the Joker, who is a very tough character to interpret just reading the comics or watching a, t- a TV or movie, to bring him to life. And, I mean, just the difficult challenge that has to be. Oh, yeah. people, have, people have expectations of you when you're in costume because, you know, obviously they want to see their favorite characters portrayed correctly. And, you know, in, 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 in our case, you know, we've been doing it for years, so we've got experience um, being in character. But unfortunately, that's not necessarily the case for everybody, obviously. Not everybody even cosplays to be in character. They just cosplay because they love the character. Well, and especially with Joker, the hard thing with Joker is, you know, you think of all the actors that have been fortunate enough to portray the Joker Mm -hmm. from Cesar Romero to now more recently Joaquin Phoenix. Everyone has got a favorite Joker, be it Cesar Romero, you know, Jack Nicholson, you know, Heath Ledger. And it and it's one of those things that like okay if you're go, if you show up in cosplays let's just say Heath Ledger's Joker and that is maybe this person's favorite Joker like the, you know the average person might look at it and go oh that's a really cool cosplay but that's their Joker that's their favorite Joker all of a sudden you know the bar just got raised a little bit to really impress them yeah absolutely I'm uh, I'm gonna go back a little bit to what uh, Justin said about how when you see someone in cosplay and they happen to be cosplaying as your favorite character as well. And you are excited to see them be in character. Don't expect that from cosplayers, though, because not everybody can be or wants to be. They're not cosplaying for you. They're cosplaying for them. That's that's ultimately what cosplay is. is it's, it's for you. It is an art form that you wear, that you spend a lot of time crafting. Even if you don't make it, like you're still spending a lot of time getting it ready to be perfect on your level. So... As I say that, don't be disappointed if you go up to somebody and you expect them to be in character and they're not. Just appreciate the fact that they spent a lot of time making it and wearing it. It's okay if they're not in character. Maybe they just like the way the character looks. Maybe they don't know enough about them to actually be them. But it doesn't mean you should be disappointed or rude to the person because they don't yeah. do the voice yeah. or they don't like when I heart when I do Harley Quinn, I can't do her voice great and I can't do a cartwheel and I've been like I've gotten some rude comments just because I can't do a cartwheel, and it's like, I really, mean, it's it's a little weird. A lot of people are kind of, it, it, it's most of it comes from people who aren't cosplayers themselves. They may not understand the community, I guess, how how it really works. But um, obviously, if you see a cosplay you like and you want to get a picture with them and you're excited to see them, that's great. Be excited because it makes them happy too. Um, but don't expect everyone you meet to be in character. It's it's not. It is part of it. Being in character definitely makes it fun. It's it's definitely live theater. So, but not everybody's gonna do it. Right. And you shouldn't have to have expectations. It's just however the person is dressed up as their <laughs> character, that's their interpretation of it. So right. that's why you yeah. should go in and respect that art form for being mm-hmm. instead of having this predetermined notion of what this person is trying to do. Yeah. Well, and especially you might expect that at like something like a, maybe a San Diego Comic-Con, a New York Comic-Con, right. where they start at like 10 in the morning and then they go till 10 o'clock at night. You, you know, are dead. Yeah, like, you, like yeah. you run into, let's just say, you know, a Superman or, or maybe even a, a Ben Affleck Batman and it's 
seven thirty, eight to eight o'clock at night. And there and you go, Oh hey, that's a really great costume and you don't get the gruff Batman voice. You go, Oh hey, thanks. Like I get you <laughs> yeah. might be bummed about it, but you think about it, that person's probably been stopped north of like ten thousand times since ten AM that morning and has been doing the the gruff Batman voice for now, you know, eight, nine hours straight and their voice might be gone by the end of the day. Yeah. No, I feel that hard. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, especially going to cons like such as San Diego and New York or wherever you're going, just the constant in performance, so to speak. And it just by the time the day's over, you're just going to be like, all right. I'm done. I'm dead. Please don't stop me for pictures anymore. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that being said, how did you get started in cosplay? Personally, um, I guess I started when I was like 17 or 18. My mom bought me my first Harley Quinn suit from this guy who made them in Canada. I don't even remember the name of it anymore. Um, She bought it for me as a late birthday present. Um, It's not the best thing I've ever worn. It is nice. It could have been more accurate, but I loved it anyway. And I've had to actually like hang that one up, so to speak, because it is torn officially. but I, what was weird was I remember seeing Harley Quinn in a few episodes of Batman because that's where she was introduced. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know much about her or who she was. And I was just like, I really like the way she looks. That color scheme just vibes with me. So my mom got it for me and it came to the house. I put it on. I painted my face with the world's worst face paint. Yeah. And it's only gotten better over it's been 10 years now and I finally have a new suit that I had handmade specially for me oh wow and like very specific fabrics and sizes and where everything was placed and I love it because I really feel like an action figure in this costume I feel more like her in this one than I did the old one I love the old one it was my start but I guess it was more so for Halloween when I was a teenager though because I didn't know what cosplay wasn't even really a thing yet you know a little over 10 years ago like it was but it wasn't as big yeah and then five years ago me and him got together and we just god we've got 60 plus costumes at the house now it's a it's a lot. It's bad, guys. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I, I definitely remember. Yeah. I definitely remember like ten years ago on the internet where like I you cosplay was a thing, mm-hmm. but it definitely felt a little more niche. That yeah. like right. you had almost had to go out and search for it or go to some sites and find it. And and now it definitely feels like you know if you go on the face on Facebook or YouTube and you just start scrolling through videos, it won't take you more than five minutes to find something. I remember. Uh, no, it's absolutely true. Uh, cosplay has really kind of exploded. Oh yeah. Over the last couple, over the last decade or two, and before it was, you're right. It was just like it was nothing. Those Star Wars geeks. Well, when I when I was really young, and you know, we had yeah, we had AOL dial up in my house, and um. Oh man, I can (laughs) I I can just hear the sound. Say yeah, I can hear the dial tones. Yeah, Uh, I would. You know, I was on online all. Mom, get off the phone. All night, every night, probably looking at things I shouldn't be as a teenager, and. I remember seeing um, a character. It was from Venture Brothers. She was like, she had like the low cut suit and the eye patch that was shaped like a heart. Does anybody remember her name? That character? I'm blanking on that right now. I remember seeing pictures of this woman who was dressed like that and she nailed the costume. And I'm like, what is she? This isn't Halloween. She's like in a hotel. Look at all these other people with all this weird nerd stuff around her. What is she doing? And like that was the first one I ever saw online. And that was what made me go, I want to just do costumes forever. 
Well, Halloween awesome. was a huge deal in my family. It was bigger than Christmas in my family. It was always spooky everything. The house was crazy decorated for months, and we handmade everything we wore every year and then just developed into what this is. And I loved getting to watch it happen. I was really slow at getting into it, though, because, like, you see these these people who are much younger than me, and overnight they have several thousand followers on Instagram, and I'm still just at 1,000. And I'm like, it's not about the followers for me. It's just about getting to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying followers wouldn't be great, yeah. but I want to like show off my work, but it's more about, I love watching other people go from just the start to where they get so quickly. Cause I'm a lot slower at my process. Cause I'm just a perfectionist and a half. Um, but it, it's just kind of funny to watch people just overnight grow into what they are now. And then watching cosplay go from what it was when I was like 15 to what it is now. Mm. Yeah, I mean, now it's it's basically a part of pop culture. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think it, it's so niche that before it just used to be only at, like, conventions. I mean, it's, like, everyday life almost, mm-hmm. yeah. I would say, easily. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, but, no, but you, you, like I say, well, well, you two do such a great job going through town locally. I mean, it's, at events we see everything from Luma and so forth just in cosplay and just, you know, embracing the fandom, embracing the characters. I mean, it just goes to show it, it doesn't need to be, you know, a uh, – a convention so to speak and it doesn't mean you know not at all no by any means so people use it to just get out of their house sometimes they they're like i have to put a wig and like at least my trench coat on because i i can't be me outside because i don't like like they they prefer who they are when they're in the costume because it's who they feel and it's nice like it's like if this is what helps you get through your day i'm glad you have it Mm -hmm. justin how about you um costume has always been kind of a part of my life uh when i was a kid my my parents were very into like the renaissance festival as as i was and you know i've always been in theater and even even when i was uh in high school i went to military school so you know i was always in uniform then so costuming being in costumes always just been kind of in the background for me so uh when i started going to bcc here uh, uh suny broom um as it's now known uh, I started entering the costume contests and I keep winning. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that just, that started to be this thing that I was just doing every year for Halloween was just going all out on these really, really nice costumes that I didn't have the money to put together. And then uh, one year, uh, Christina shows up on campus dressed as Harley Quinn and I'm like, oh. We so, didn't know um, each other then. Didn't, we didn't know each other very well. I, I We knew peripherally. Per- peripherally? That, that, that works. We yeah. knew we existed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we knew we we were within our friends' circles' orbits. And, uh, you know, the following year, uh, I had intended to do a Freakazoid costume. Uh, oh, oh that, get out. Oh, right? that would have been great. Yeah. And uh, I, I went and ordered a, a red spandex suit and uh, a T-shirt with the Freakazoid logo on it. And when I was ordering the red spandex suit, it was like, get an extra suit for $10. And I'm like, oh, all right. So, you know, I'm searching around online, and I find a Deadpool suit. I'm like, you know, I bet Chrissy would like this. I didn't even know who Deadpool was then. Yeah, well, you liked it anyways. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I didn't even care. I was like, yeah, that's hot. <laughs> no. So I, I went ahead and ordered that suit. I uh, wore it um, a few times. It's very tight and no longer comfortable. <laughs> it was, it was the not word. the greatest costume. I was also maybe like 20 pounds lighter. Well, it's okay. But, uh... Yeah, so it's kind of always 
been a thing that I've been like doing throughout my life. And then, uh, like Chrissy said, the second we um, started dating is really when we started like going all in on it. Par- became part of our uh, part of our relationship. Um, as I recall, uh, what was uh, what was the first? We we'd actually gone to Robocon separately. Okay. Um, I went as Freakazoid, and she and her sister went as the Weeping Angels from Doctor Who. Oh, wow. Those costumes were awesome. And we both won our respective categories for uh, uh, the costume Costume contest. contest. I I won Best in Show, and she won uh, Best Couples Cosplay. Oh, nice. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, group? It was group. We'll call call it group. And uh, it was was just, I don't know, it's, it's weird, like... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's almost like serendipity, almost. That's it. That's, that's the perfect it. word. Um, our first date was, was uh, Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, our first date was Free Comic Book Day. Um, I had to work in the morning, but as soon as I got out of work, I slapped my face paint on, and we met up as uh, Harley and Deadpool, and we went to um, BU's campus for their spring fling. Well, and we went to Charging Star Comics. Well, yeah, we went to Charging Star, and we literally just stood outside his doorway. Just We just stood there silently and watched people walk around in the mall. <laughs> and it was really fun because we were just hanging out, and this guy was like, this is cool. I have two people in costume who are just like hanging out in my store. Shout then, out to Ryan. Ryan is actually a subscriber to this oh, podcast. Hey, Ryan. So, hey. Ryan, what's up? Um, but we then we you, went. Buddy. You know. I yeah. work at Sound Around now. <laughs> 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 But we went up to SUNY Room for their spring fling, and we just, like, walked around in costume, and people were really excited. They were like, I don't know why these guys are like this, but we love it. We had a couple people tease us, but, you know, college kids will be college kids. Yeah, exactly. They didn't really... The, oh, uh, we didn't really know what was going on, and That's like, not appropriate no, I mean, I think it's okay. Oh. Uh, he said we could explicit things. I mean, maybe, maybe like, I don't know, censor yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one, this one guy, when we were first walking in, he came, he came up to us and he handed Justin a little business card in it, and he was like, here here take that and like he's like you guys can fight over this and i was like well i at least want to know what it says i grabbed it from him and i just ran i didn't even know what it said yet but it said you guys are awesome keep doing what you're doing we all love the- you just all over the card it was just like a just it was just a little gift and it was really cute oh that's cool but um yeah i don't know if you want to say your hmm? little joke or not or oh no 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 that's good all right yeah that's our little thing um no, it's all right uh so we were walking we were walking off of BU campus back towards our car and uh these these kids behind me behind us uh realized who we are i was like oh my god it's deadpool yo deadpool say something funny and i'm like yeah your sex life and you know (laughs) (laughs) i find that funny (laughs) that's a well-played line because especially you're in character and you know obviously you know you're gonna have a you know jerks come up and try causing nonsense yeah. for you and that's perfect way to handle it in character too Bravo. well his girlfriend didn't think it was funny oh. and she's like that's not funny and he goes it's funny he's he's do you want me to say it it's, it's all i'm gonna say it. all right it's gonna get a little it's gonna yeah it's gonna get a little sweary up in here but he he goes it's funny he's fucking deadpool and then i said actually i'm fucking deadpool <laughs> <laughs> well played yeah so it was a good first day it was pretty good first day yeah yeah, that's awesome. That, I mean, that's such a great story to hear. 
I mean, just how cosplay has brought you together. Because I didn't know if you wanted me to say on air that yes, you guys are engaged. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. so, no, happily, yes, spread the word. Yes, oh no, <laughs> engaged in the nerdiest way possible. Go yes. on, yeah, by all means, yes. Um, so uh, we have been attending BronyCon, that's the My Little Pony convention down in Baltimore for the past five years. Mm-hmm. I've been attending it for six. Uh, I took Chrissy with me on our, my second year there because. I knew she'd enjoy it. Oh, and we it was, were, it's we, the best we thing We just ever. started dating, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, this this whole thing was a freaking de- just thing. But, uh, <laughs> so I I, uh, I ordered her ring off of Etsy. Um, beautiful, beautiful silver ring with a uh, with the Celio de Campo meteorite set in it and diamonds on the side. And uh, I had it sent to my sisters, who live lives forty minutes outside of Baltimore. So I okay. I had to figure out a way to sneak off. And go like get the ring without her realizing it, and you know I I just use the easy easy way to lie to your cosplay girlfriend, honey. You have to put on your makeup, and that's going to take a little while. It so did. I'm going to go visit my sister and my niece. Mm-hmm. Well played. Ooh, the, what smooth. was funny too was I was like I was in the shower and I was like he's going to want me to go visit them and I really want to see them but I do not have the time for this today. So I really hope he doesn't ask me to go. And then he was like Chrissy, I got to go see them. It's okay, you just do your makeup. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> oh. The whole weekend he had been running off doing secret things, but I was in my happy place, so it just kept going right over my head that he was even planning something. Right. I had zero clue this right. was happening. So I go, I go, I drive off, I get the ring, I come back. It took me about two hours to do because, you know, I spent some time with my niece. And then um, we get to the con, and one of the first people we run into is the person who's running the gala event because uh, it's a My Little Pony convention. So, you mm-hmm. know, they actually hold uh, a formal dance called the Grand Galloping Gala, which you can uh, actually look up on Facebook if if any of your bronies are interested in that. But um, they do a live-action, original, like, show. And also, like, you know, formal dance thing. Okay. And uh, we, we've, we've gotten to know their cast over over the last couple of years. I love and them. I run, I run into the director, uh, Kat, and I'm like, hey, Kat, uh, I need to text you about something. And she's like, oh, no, let's come, come over here and we'll talk about it. And then she just looks me dead in the eye and goes, so you're going to do the thing, right? <laughs> she, so she, she already knew. knew she just she knew what i they're they're just sensory people <laughs> so you know i'm like yeah yeah and she's like okay listen we're gonna get you up on stage because you're family and you know we're gonna we're gonna get this done for you so then that later that night because yeah that night <laughs> wow so this is already yeah. speeding up there's right so that night um we were standing in line at the gala. Uh, she's dressed as uh, Dragon Lord Ember, mm-hmm. and I'm dressed as uh, Thorax, the King of the Changelings. Okay. Who he's got like antlers. He's and a he's bug. Green and he's a bug pony thing. So um, okay, I'm just getting like a visual because right. it, it almost looks like a Loki helmet. Like if yeah, you don't know yeah, better. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is which is what I did. I I, I kind of mashed him up with Loki. Okay. Loki's also you know. Kind a of a changeling, yeah. In his own yes, fashion. yeah. If you dig through the mythology, and I was definitely up to mischief, right? <laughs> like, this entire thing, and um, so uh, we get inside, and I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the 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 opening scene to end, and I had my friends like I, I stole Chrissy's phone and I gave it to one of my friends, and I had them both set up. So I had one doing a hard copy and the other one going live on Facebook, and then uh, you know. Uh, 
as the first opening scene ends, I sneak off. I'm like, hey, honey, I'm going to go talk to Kat first about something. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to drag me up on stage and I'm going to have to ad lib something and I can't do this right now. (laughs) Oh, and none, none of my friends in the audience even knew what was happening. So they kept me distracted accidentally. Yeah. (laughs) thank you penny yes and um so you know i get up on stage everyone backstage is like oh my god i can't believe we're gonna do it it's so amazing Uh." and um i'm getting hugs left and right and then they let me up on stage and instantaneously the the people in the audience recognize who i am and they're really excited because they're expecting me to be part of the show and immediately i i apologize and i'm just like no i'm 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 not doing that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I would have loved to, but unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way this year. Um, and Plus, you have something else going on that's taking precedent. Yeah. Right, right. So uh, I, I get up there. I, I, I vamp for a little bit while I inter- I welcome Chrissy up on stage. And, uh, you know, I, I say a bunch of really, really heartfelt, beautiful Mushy. things. Um, one of them being, uh, she's the ember that lights my fire, which is true. She... she Definitely lights a fire under my ass when it comes to cosplay. Do things. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, I also, then I presented her with the ring, which I told her traveled over a billion miles across this universe to land on Immediate her tears. I white girled the heck out of that. I did the fan with the, the, where you take your hands and you fan your face. And I was like, oh my God, he's doing this. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> but to tie this into cosplay, mm-hmm. uh, the two characters that we did are really good friends on the show. They're they're best friends through one of the main characters, uh, Spike the Dragon, and the way they uh, their friendship works is that Thorax is well. Okay, so they're both new leaders of their own um, countries, countries, kingdoms, whatever. Mm-hmm. And Ember, being a dragon, is very aggressive, and very brash. You know, brash and confident, but she's she's lacking the squishier emotions okay right whereas thorax um is also a new king but he's he's not exactly sure of himself but he's more in touch with uh you know the ideas of friendship and the ideas of like uh, just being you know emotionally open mm-hmm. and what we did for the show was Partially unintentionally by Christina here, because she had no idea what yeah. was happening. Uh, we gave the fandom the fan service that they've been wanting because, like, you know, make them date. The <laughs> Everybody, most of the fandom was like shipping Thorax and Ember together because they're polar opposites, but they're super cute as friends. Mm-hmm. And I feel like. Yeah, like unite the kingdoms. So we did that. Yeah, um, I was gonna say. Yeah. So wouldn't that add more like pressure to what you're trying to do? Because it's a like, little... yeah, if she had said no, oh, that been... would have been terrible. Oh, if I if I was if watching. I was better at making jokes, I would have just looked at him and been like, nah, and just turned around and walked away, and then come back and been like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But I I I was so excited that this was happening. Um, the other thing about Ember and Thorax is that while they're polar opposites of each other, they're polar opposites of our personal like i'm a very squishy emotional person mm-hmm. and he's more of the confident sturdy so when i cosplay as ember it gives me the ability to feel more confident and when he's thorax he's definitely a lot more emotional so what was cool was that in the show they teach each other how to be more like each other like you need to be more confident you need to be more sensitive so on stage thorax was being confident and ember was crying Oh, when we when we when he proposed to me, so it was it was. I feel like the fan service there. I'd like to think that it was 
there are bronies out there going, oh, my God, I can't believe that finally happened. But, I, you know, that's that's just us liking to be a little bit big-headed about things. No, but, I mean, that's such an awesome story. I mean, that's kind of where cosplay goes into real life, so mm-hmm. to speak. And, yeah. and, and just, I mean, and congratulations to you both officially yes. on the air. Yes. Thank you. So, I mean, just to tie that in, I mean, cosplay caused that to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it that did. Is it essential. Did. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the reason why uh, Christina even texted me five years ago is because she wanted help with a costume. That I uh, haven't built yet. <laughs> Lopany from Pokemon. We got distracted. No, never built that thing. It'll happen. At, at some point. <laughs> but, no, that's just such an awesome story to hear. I mean, just to start about how you got involved with the cosplay and look where the journey has taken you. Yeah. So let's take a quick break here. Uh, hashtag it up. Hashtag ODPH Cosstober. We're going to come back with Justin in Crisis. After we take a quick break, you are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Entertainment Edition. Coming back for another segment on this edition of Cosptober ODPH Podcast with Crisis Cosplay and Justin Incredible Cosplay in studio. Yep. So last segment, we were talking about their introduction into cosplay, giving you the definition, what you need to know as you jump in and hearing about you know their incredible story down at BronyCon. So now I'm going to ask them nerds. to break down. Yes, <laughs> nerds, and we are proud of them. <laughs> so we're going to break down. Their, you know, just their process of you know going from start to finish, maybe their initial process or maybe one of their most recent of what it is like mindset going into cosplay. Like if you know you're going for like a competition or you know, going into a convention. So I will throw it to the floor. Who would like to start? And I think Justin's going to go first. All right. Um, let's see. One of the earliest costumes I did that like I – made top to bottom like no help from anyone else was probably uh when i did two-face okay Ooh. Ooh, yeah God, i don't even remember that yeah one. we weren't we Ooh. weren't dating and this was like maybe years beforehand yeah um i i had made two-face for halloween but um i i really went the full like the full mile on it i uh I bought two suits. I seam ripped them and stitched them back together by hand, which was an experience. Um, I learned how to work with uh, liquid latex and toilet paper to make half of my face look all like. Rah. Really? And you know, I, I even took a hammer to a quarter. <laughs> Did you? Holy shit! Yeah, that's facing cool. government just, property just for cosplay. <laughs> no, so, the things you, know, you do for art. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I messed up a, a quarter so that I could have something to flip, and. Um, it, a lot of a lot of work in, went into that, and then I showed up late for the Halloween contest. Aww. So after this entire so from point A to point B, I mean, how many months did it take to get the suit and everything set up? You would oh, say that, was, that wasn't really all too much. I mean, like I said, it was just you know taking apart two suits and then sewing them back together, and I didn't have a sewing machine or anything, so it really took me the better part of like a day or two to okay. just sit there and just like do it. But it was not. It was not any sense of the word like great. Okay, but still, it was it's just the enough. initial reaction, just yeah. like one of the initial times out, right. and then you were late to the show. You said I, I, I was late to the uh, the BCC costume contest, uh, the the main one, which unfortunately is the one with the cash prize. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up um, competing in the anime co- uh, anime club costume contest, which I won. Okay, which um, was funny because you know. 
was not an anime character <laughs> at all. No, I was going to say Two-Face is definitely DC, so. But I definitely did the whole, like, you know, the the, the character in which, you know, I was going back and forth from Harvey Dent to, to Two-Face and, you know, uh, just doing the voice and being like, no, you shouldn't do that voice, but what are you talking about? This is that the voice that we do and, just, you know. Having fun with it. You need to do this again. I want to see that. <laughs> you always do the Joker to my Harley or Deadpool to my Harley. You never. I. I have to do a different villain too. I think it's though it's funny I know. that people say that I sound like Ryan Reynolds, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't. I, I will think say you do a little. I, you guys are crazy. That guy is like two feet taller than me. It doesn't I'm mean you definitely, don't sound I don't like him. sound that like <laughs> tall. Tall. No, no, but I. I will say this though, from personal interaction, you do pull off his tone very well. Yeah, and I think that's what really throws it. It's because they're both naturally funny. I'm, okay, fine. You are <laughs> naturally funny, which is why I look at him. It, it doesn't help that I have a little bit of a... He's my fiancé, so I'm always going to make him the winner. But um, I think he's a funnier Deadpool than Ryan Reynolds. No, that's a fair <laughs> statement. You are entitled to the opinion. I'm a broker Deadpool. Than <laughs> but, I mean, going in with that, though, that I mean... That dude got a free suit. I got to pay, like, $350 for one of mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it, it comes with, you know, working with Marvel or Fox yeah. or, you know, whoever was he at the time. He stole it. He yeah. stole it. He just walked off the set and said, take it from me, I dare you. I mean, if you're, like, the intern who's, like, in charge of catering or something like that and you see him walking out of there, are you exactly going to tell Ryan Reynolds No. No. I, I would tackle him, but only because I want to wrap my arms around him and give him a hug. Okay. Aww. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy the moments before security grabs yes, you. Absolutely. <laughs> no, don't take it away from me. <laughs> but, but going in with that, I mean, to get that costume going, and yeah. especially like for, I mean, when did you do Two Face? You said really early in your cosplaying career. Yeah, that? that was um maybe 10 years ago something sounds like that. about right yeah. would you say like as you've gone on it's now become an easier process for you um well you know with certain characters uh, i would say well when it comes to just cosplay in general it gets easier as you go because you you learn stuff right like and as you learn more stuff you apply that to the old stuff that you learn and you find new ways of doing stuff and you you just it the the skill that you you develop cosplaying is exponential mm-hmm. um it's just once you once you start learning how to work with the materials that you use that we use uh we use a lot of foam in mm-hmm. our builds and uh once you start learning how to work with foam and like what you can do with it it just it adds on it piles on and like your your stuff gets more and more intricate and then of course you have more expectation of yourself because like you know what you can do and what you what you want to do and what you've been able to accomplish without not know, knowing how to do anything. Oh boy. So just being straight up DIY, just you know, yeah. go in there and, and just test it out and see how it goes. YouTube's your best friend it because oh, yeah. there, there are amazing cosplayers out there that just take the time out of their lives to show you how to do stuff. And as long as you're paying attention, even, even, even in the videos where you already know how to do stuff, yeah. you'll still pick up something New. so insanely simple that it makes everything that much easier. Well, it's like the one girl, her every time she releases a new video, I feel like it's because she's also discovered something new. Yeah. And everything she does, like, oh, granted, she's significantly more talented at foam builds, but she's been 
she makes like a new costume every month, so yeah. she's she's working really hard on hers. We're um, not at that rate. No, um, but she, I, I look at the things that she does, and I'm like, God, why didn't I think of that? That's so genius, and I love it. But I, I'm way better at looking at picture tutorials than videos because I just can't focus on videos well enough. Right. But not everybody does picture tutorials. Like one of the simplest things that I picked up on um, last month was so normally when I when I do my patterns on foam, I use a sharpie. Okay. And then I'm watching this video uh, with Kamui Cosplay. Yeah, that's who I was talking about. And she uses a ballpoint pen. And I'm like, that's so simple. Now it's I don't have to deal with this extra, like, bit of uh, uh, Sharpie. It can be hard residue. to cover. It can be hard to wood burn through. It's weird. I don't know what the Sharpie's doing, but it can be weird to get rid of. Right. But Just something of the ink texture. Something. Yeah. But the uh, but the ballpoint pen, it's, it's much smaller. It's a finer. Oh, pen. yeah. You know, I don't have to... D- deal with much resistance when I'm burning through it or when I'm cutting through it. Um, and it makes a I don't smaller to, line, right. too. You don't have to deal with the, the paint issues. Because one of the things with uh, Sharpie and spray paint, you, you'd be surprised. Actually, you probably wouldn't be surprised. Anyone who's ever had a child who's scribbled on their walls with Sharpie knows for a fact that it's impossible to paint over Sharpie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. Just, you can't do it. It's you got to put on like layer after layer after layer after layer, and even then, it's gonna bleed through a little bit. We have a we have had an issue with that with uh, uh, my face masks. Right. Um. She makes face masks out of uh, craft foam, and she's used uh, sharpie to you know draw out the patterns, and occasionally the the sharpie. Even though we've we've hit it with plastic dip, we've hit it with like I've um, coated it with so much. We've hit we hit it with glaze. We hit it with paint. It'll still find its way to bleed into her makeup and then it's then after it's bled into the makeup it then sticks to my skin so then when i take a shower i have little purple lines over my face oh no yeah, but you're the cutest record well thank you um it yeah it, the ballpoint pen also makes a smaller line so you're not trying to guess where you're actually supposed to put your cut because you don't right. want to cut into the middle of the sharpie line because then you're changing you're altering the size of your pattern a little right. Um, I noticed that I have a lot of issues with that. So, so yeah. Yay but, for pens. So, you know, even, even if you're trying to learn something big, pay attention to the little things that are happening because they'll save you so much time. Um, <laughs> given that, uh, if anybody picks up working with foam and any of the, uh, components that go with foam, uh, please ventilated areas outside. Yeah. It is all very toxic. Uh, yeah. heating foam up just with a heat gun releases some toxins. You may not smell them. Contact cement's toxic. It's almost like a carbon it's, monoxide type deal. It's it's it can be bad. You got to be really careful. I know one cosplayer accidentally had an accident with her birds Ooh. once, and that was really upsetting for her. Um, I feel for her with that. It's, you you don't even realize what's happening sometimes. Like you you wouldn't think because you can't smell it. Um, but it's mm. do it outside. Open your windows. Get a fan. Don't do it around your pets, your kids. It's. There was this one time that I was working with uh, plexiglass. Mm. And I didn't wear a mask because I'm an idiot. Yeah. And, you know, I was sanding it. I was cutting it with my jigsaw. I was, like, doing all this stuff. And then, like, all of a sudden I started getting these crazy hives. and All like, over your skin and your face. Really, really bad. Yeah. Plexiglass. So you definitely, definitely don't want to screw around with um, not being safe. Do as we stuff. say, not as we do. Yeah, we're terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, well, like I say, it almost goes with the process of just learning what? by yourself. So, yeah. I mean, so until you start seeing this when you're going on like YouTube or reading tutorials from you know other sites, that you don't really understand like what goes into it until you kind of test it out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you talk about working with plexiglass and like how it nearly sent you to the hospital. I would assume. Yeah. He just in. washed it off. He was all right. But oh, but, but it could just got a lot worse. Like you were talking oh, about. Oh, it could have. It could have sent him to the hospital. Yeah, I we're mean, lucky it didn't. 
Um, I mean, I mean like, it's kind of why warning labels exist. Somebody had an accident with something and went, oh, crap. Now let's not let anybody else do this. Right. Um, so it's just something that comes with the territory with, with the cosplay. The more that you try making your costume elaborate and just go from, you know, involving different materials and different, you know, um, I want to say chemicals to a degree, but mm-hmm. you're talking plexiglass, yeah. that you just have to be that extra careful with it mm-hmm. and just really Cause take your time. Because we are not professionals. I mean, we're more professional than you probably, but we're we're not licensed. Right. Yeah, yeah I mean, we don't have like some big facility with all this special gear to do things the safe way. Yeah, like a Hollywood studio or anything uh, like that. Yeah, we have a porch. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, but that just goes. I mean, to show is just with your fandom is just take the extra steps of precaution, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to really just yeah. be safe with it, because mm-hmm. no matter what your costume is, you want to have a great costume, but you also want to be safe with it too, mm-hmm. as well. Better to be safe and not have anything go wrong than to be halfway through making something and have to make a trip to the ER. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's I'm expi- sure, like it's I'm sure expensive. Many people have had to do that too. I so. did that. Yes, you did. But you were cutting <laughs> potatoes. I was not cutting potatoes. I was cutting cardboard. Were you? Yeah, I was cutting a cardboard tube with a bread knife because I didn't have a saw or anything. That was. When was this? This was a while ago. Oh my god! It was when I made that helmet for uh, the um, LMFAO thing. Oh yeah. my god! I wasn't around then either. That was like right before me. I'm sexy and I know it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so you you were you 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 were talking about your first process on one of your earlier cosplays and how how was it. How was it received, though? When did you become the interviewer? I hey, she's taking over. I didn't know how well, like, this when you... This is the Crisis Cosplay... Uh, when you... CCPR. I wasn't there. When you went out as Two-Face, what did people think? Oh, people loved it. Oh, I mean, well, it was Two-Face. it's you, of course, so... Although, uh, the, the, the girl I was dating at the time um, did The Crow, and we went out to the bar for, for Halloween, and uh, she did not wear a jacket. So she was like, "Can I borrow your jacket?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm two faced. Do you know how long it took me to make this jacket?" (laughs) (laughs) The cost of breaking. You should have flipped the coin (laughs) and let that decide. I did. Oh, perfect. Uh, She did not get the jacket. Oh, dude. Well, I see why that relationship didn't work out. He's never been like that to me. He always gives me his coat. Aww. Because I'm dumb and never wear one. You know, you know, me and Sarah are still friends. Like, you're just gonna. Throw Who me are you talking bus. about? <laughs> <laughs> that name will come on air off air <laughs> after the next break. Um, but Crisis, let's ask you about you. I mean, what, talk us through one of your more recent processes. Yeah, of- I, I mean, I you guys already heard me talk about the first time I ever did Harley Quinn. Um, but. You know how Harley Quinn carries around like that giant hammer? Yep. Yeah. Well, back in the day when I first cosplayed as her, every time you Googled the word Harley, you didn't get Quinn. You got Harley Davidson. Uh, yeah. Uh, Harley yeah. Quinn images didn't exist yet. She wasn't that big of a deal yet. So trying to find a picture of her godforsaken hammer was impossible. Yeah. So I kind of, I tried figuring, it took me like four years just to figure out where I could go to get one. And I found a guy who makes like weird giant props and sells them online. And sure. he was... He was talking to me about how we're going to make it look and what he was going to make it out of. And then he was like, it's going to be like 500 bucks. And then my mom went, no. So a couple years down the road, my friend glued together a bunch of styrofoam for me. And I used a turkey carver to carve a cylinder out of this cube of styrofoam. Oh, shit. We now know better than to do that. Well, turkey carvers work over okay with styrofoam. Yeah, I know. We have the hot knife. Um, Yeah. Turkey carver was fine. But... That it that I then I I didn't know how to paint styrofoam because if you put spray spray paint on styrofoam it just dissolves it. Yep. Um. So I put 
layers of masking tape stretched back and forth to kind of simulate wood. Okay. And then just acrylic paint over that. I still have the hammer, but it is all but fallen apart because I've used it in haunted houses where I like slam it against the wall to scare people with it. And it's a cute hammer. It's just definitely fallen apart. Now we use cardboard tubes and EVA foam mats and like real wooden sticks and glue. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a lot more that, yeah. that goes into our hammers. Yeah. Um, but... When you're building a cosplay, the more reference pictures you can find, the better time you'll have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know backs of references don't exist. Like, you can never find the back view of anything anymore. Um, yeah, it's always just the front or the front, front or sides. Yeah. That, was um, a, that was the thing I loved right before Borderlands 3 came out because, you know, the Borderlands characters are a very popular thing to cosplay. I know when I went to New York Comic Con, I saw a couple from Borderlands mm-hmm. 2. But I want to say it was like the month, month and a half before the Borderlands 3 came out. Gearbox Software, the, you know, the company that actually makes the game, actually put out on their Facebook page, hey, if you guys want to start cosplaying as these new four new characters, here's the reference for Oh, us. that's wonderful nice. of them. I, and I love that stuff. Um, I know I was big into WoW for a really long time. There's a lot of characters I want to cosplay as out of, out of WoW. They have a, I think it was a fan-made thing where they would download the information of the character onto this 3D viewer, and you could view every oh, angle wow. of the character really? possible for oh, that's costumes. Nuts. That's crazy. Um, and WoWhead does that now, too. They have all kinds of views for it and stuff. Uh. You can view characters in 3D. You can view their movements, how their fabric flows. It's pretty cool. So I like having that, like, Pepikira files, if people have made Pepikiras of certain characters' costume parts. Um, Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can view in, like, front, back, side, top, bottom. Uh, it's it's Pepikira is great. It's a great file folder. But it's more for paper craft, but you can turn them into foam builds. That's okay. how I built my Midna helmet. Um but the most recent costume I built was Tinkerbell, and not not Disney Tinkerbell, not the cute sure. little green dress. Mine is from uh, J. Scott Campbell drew Tinkerbell for a series of comics that he was Grim Fairy Tales. Grim Fairy Tales that he really. Well, I don't know if she was part of the, the Grim least, Fairy Tales thing. The very least, it's a Zetascope title. Yeah, but um, okay. she's a little bit more lewdly drawn, but Tinkerbell's already kind of lewd. Yeah, to a, yeah to a degree. Yeah. Dress on. But um, so it's just leaves that are like stitched like they're not stitched to her body they're like corseted on okay and they're very very short and small leaves um and this is a much more adult version of tinkerbell she's a much curvier um but at the second i i love tinkerbell uh, pe- not a lot of people would guess that peter pan and tinkerbell are like they're a special little happy place for me um so when i saw that version of it i was like i really need to do this costume and it took me about a year for me to decide what i wanted to build it out of in all, I should have built it out of leather, but leather is expensive and Chrissy is broke. <laughs> um, so I built it out of upholstery vinyl and Ooh. painted it with leather paint. So it worked really well, but it is falling apart now because upholstery vinyl can only take so much stretch okay. before the grommet started popping out. Mm-hmm. But I, I, we, I wrapped saran wrap around my body. Uh, he masking taped me. That's how you do patterns for foam and fabric. You build like a pattern based off your own body. And um, I drew the leaf patterns on, cut it out. I built the the what would be considered the bra cups out of double layer craft foam, so that I don't. There's no corset boning involved in this. There are no invisible straps. This costume stays up on its own because I built a foam base, mm. so it just kind of sits there and it looks like it's floating on me, and it's kind of cool. And then the vinyl. She has, uh, you know, the leaf veins running through her costume. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this on vinyl because with leather, you can emboss. Okay. You cannot emboss on vinyl. 
So I was like, how am I going to do this? I'm afraid if I wood burn it, I'm going to straight melt through this. So I gently wood burned it and it worked perfectly. And I was very excited about it. Um, also kind of toxic. Definitely had to do it outside. Uh, but it, I'm so pleased with how this costume turned out. And it was so well received. We went to Fairy Fest out in, uh, on, not on Oneana. Where is on that? dog. No. Aquaga. Aquaga, out past Windsor. And um, we're friends with the Peter Pan up there. And it at this point, it looks like hopefully, hopefully going into next year, we will be the official Tinkerbell and Rufio to his Peter Pan. Oh, very cool. Oh. Um, like we're going to be up there all weekend. And this is why I need to rebuild the costume out of something because vinyl is not the most comfortable thing to wear for three days straight. Oh, um, yeah, I, I would sweat, imagine not. I sweat really bad in that in New York City in October. And there's, like I said, this is a mildly revealing costume um it's not like a full body suit or anything but i sweat really bad under that vinyl so i definitely need to build something better because it it cuts into a little yeah. you know like the 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 rope and stuff on the sides right but i was i was and it's a costume i don't have to wear a wig for thank god because i have nice short blonde hair so for any of you that can't see me and don't know what i look like um but it it was ridiculously well received especially among the children at the at the fairy fest and i had jars of glitter on me and i was giving them glitter and making them do little happy dances and and i had some bells on my wrists so i wasn't speaking i was just jingling as tinkerbell right and i'm just i got to take her to new york comic-con with me and i didn't get to take her over to j scott campbell um, I don't know how he would have reacted anyway. If he would have cared, I would have hoped that he would have at least thought it was cool. I probably he probably would have thought it was cool. Um, but uh. I was just I've been planning this costume for a year and I built it in three days because I'm insane. <laughs> so it took three days for the build on this uh-huh. and just just to flip it. I mean, especially with how like detailed it is because you you went a completely different route with the, the material. Yeah. And to have it be so well-received like that. And yeah. then let alone, this is going to kind of segue into what I was, I was going to go for my next question. I mean, that's truly remarkable just to do that. now, I mean, you're going to be the official Rufio and, and Tinkerbell for the next Fairy Fest. I hope so. Yeah, I hope it still goes into that. Just to have, I mean, just have that reaction. I mean, that's truly remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it went above, like, like you, you, you always hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And then when it goes above that, you just, you want to cry a little because you're, I did cry when people receive her the way that they did well especially because you put so much work into your your crafts mm-hmm. i mean to have that reaction and just you know just the simple approval is one thing but just when you know you see the real truly emotional like oh my god look at this you know that's gotta be just such the the biggest feeling yeah i would say oh, yeah. like Definitely. um when when we were at uh New York Comic Con, you actually get to drink at the convention, and it's pretty great. Yes, because I was going to mention when, we, when we, <laughs> I, uh, we were down there, too. I needed I needed a beer that day, and I got myself the official New York Comic Con like collectible mug. Right. Um, and I was walking around slightly drunk as Tinkerbell. I'm an adult. It's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. Um, and this guy took a picture of me, and the next day he drew fan art of me as drunk Tinkerbell. And I, oh, wow. he is mailing me a print, by the way. Oh, that's cool. He was like, "Hey, can I get your address so I can mail this this the copy of this?" Because I was so excited about it. Like he's like, "You, he's drawn he's drawn pictures of cosplayers before, but he told me he was like, this is like next know, level." I'm for just, him. I'm so I'm gonna cry when it gets to the house. It's immediately going on the wall. Um, <laughs> but I I was. 
we were in the subway station when he sent it to me and I just started tearing up because I've never had, I've had people draw fan art of me before, but because I asked, no one's ever just drawn it of me and it felt so good. Oh, that's, but that's got to be the best feeling though. I mean, to have your work done. And like I said, with the segue into going to New York Comic Con, you both were down in New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Yep. We were too. Uh-huh. And just to go, what's the mindset when you're going for cosplay into like a big con like that? Is it, does it change any or is it still like, no, I'm pretty set on what I want to do? Or do you think like, I got to go over the top because it's like a New York Comic Con? Really depends on a bunch of factors. Okay. This year, uh, we couldn't bring as much stuff as we would have traditionally brought Mm -hmm. because we were traveling with people. So, you know, in that regard, we weren't able to bring any, anything huge and, Sorry, our, uh, people are texting in already asking questions, too, so I, I apologize for that. That's on my phone. All right, so continue. Um, so we couldn't bring anything huge. So, you know, we brought things that we knew that we would enjoy doing, things that would be comfortable to be in, and things that would get a, a good crowd reaction, like going, right. as, going as uh, Rufio and Tinkerbell mm-hmm. uh, landed really well with people. Um, but for the most part, this year we, we brought mostly uh, things that we could fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. But in previous years, um, we have definitely like brought some heavy duty stuff with us to various cons. Um, like, ah, oh, jeez. Uh, last year we brought um, uh, Skull Kid and Midna. Oh, which so big. The the helmets for those are ridiculous. Uh, for those of you who are listening in, uh, those are. Villains, such characters from uh, oh. various Legend of Zelda titles. Okay, mm-hmm. and their helmets are huge. So just having to pack around that, you know, mm-hmm. and also wearing them because mm. uh, Chrissy's neck was and head were constantly. I had to stay very straight. I didn't. It wasn't gonna break if it fell off my head, but I needed to walk very uh, upright with my neck in a very specific position. Plus. With Minden's helmet, you can only see out of one eye. There was Ooh. no peripheral. Right. Plus, I couldn't hear very well either because the foam was covering my ears. And if I turned, I was definitely going to hit somebody with it. <laughs> and days like that, um, we don't really plan to, to do, do much. much. We just right. kind of stand around and let people take pictures of us. Right. So you, it's... It's more of a look around and stand around and... Well, that's 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 what that one show floor is at New York Comic Con, right. the big room where a lot of people who build specific costumes, they literally right. go just to stand oh, in yeah. that one room. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's right out when you exit mm-hmm. the main stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, when you're going to a convention, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is or how far you have to travel. A lot of it is your preference. Like, right. It definitely look into the rules for like what things can be made of, how heavy they can be, how big they can be, because some conventions don't allow certain things. So before you make anything, make sure you can at least take it with you first. Um, but it's what do you really want to carry? How comfortable yeah. do you want to be? Do you want to be able to sit? Do you want to be able to pee? Um, <laughs> yeah, because I can it's... only imagine with like some of them. I know, especially at like New York, there's always the one uh, cosplayer who has the big armor suit. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was like Hulkbuster the one yeah. year, and I Optimus think th- Prime I think other. this year was uh, he was Iron Giant. Yeah, mm-hmm. like oh, just... I missed that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, uh, I'll have to show you a photo I took, but he was Please a do. he was a movie accurate. Yeah, Iron it was Giant. Like, ridiculous. Like from the dent on his head to oh. he had the Superman S, and I sent the picture to my brother. I missed this when I saw the guy. He actually somehow found a little like Hogarth oh. statue and had Hogarth sitting on his shoulder. I would have cried awesome. because the Iron Giant is so... I accidentally carved a pumpkin today that looks like him. I didn't even mean to. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, the Iron Giant is such a good... Yeah. So good. 
but it just kind of ties into just being comfortable and being able to walk around like that. Because, I mean, especially the effort that you put into that. I and mean, like mm-hmm. I said, that, that one cosplayer does amazing work every year he's down there. Um, just it comes into the factors. Just you have to go and just essentially be comfortable and be yourself there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what? What do you want to wear? Who do you want to be? Do you want to go above and beyond and make sure you're getting hundreds of pictures of you taken, or do you want to hide more in the background and just get to be a character that makes you happy and comfortable and safe? Also, you know, there there are kids around, but I've seen girls go to New York Comic Con in nothing but body paint. Mm. Um, but they're usually working at a booth. Mm-hmm. But the whole cosplay is not consent, is where this falls into line. Like if somebody touches you report them yeah you know don't let them get away with it uh but you know you do need to be a little mindful of who is around like are do you have really big props is it pointy is it stiff is it going to break if it hits something uh and of course when you're not in cosplay and you're walking around and there are cosplayers be mindful of them too because they may not be able to see you right like i don't always know who's standing behind me when i'm carrying my harley quinn hammer over my shoulder and if i bump you in the head i'm very sorry but please look up. Yeah, I do not mean to hit you with that. At least it's soft. Yeah, it's not uh. intentional. Yeah, but you but, but you make a very good point. It's not intentional, and it's just, especially you walk around NYCC, it's very tight space to uh-huh. move. Mm-hmm. It's so. just oh, being yeah. it's being aware of your surroundings. And there's too many people for you to be. How many times I I literally ran face first into people because they were looking solidly down at their phone rather than up and like there's so much stuff around you look at the stuff mm. oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well and I'd say even this like factor in the weather because like as cool as it might be oh, to go yeah. as cool as it might be to go as like a very accurate ring wraith from Lord of the Rings if you're going to say San Diego Comic Con which takes place what May June something like that July actually July hot you know. It, it, while it may be cool to be a movie accurate ring wraith from Lord of the Rings, I don't think you're going to be want want to be walking around in all black clothing for like twelve hours a day in Southern California weather. Yeah, but that's the sacrifice we have made. People man. die for like, their cosplays, not really. I'm just saying, like people people will people put their bodies through it. absolute hell to do this the right way. They'll hate themselves later. Like look at fursuiters. Look at what they do. Yeah, man, so much, so many props out to them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely crazy just mm-hmm. to, to go in the work, especially like going to those big conventions. Like I say, is being safe and being comfortable is like the two biggest thing. And make sure you're drinking water, too. Oh, yeah. It's it, there's there are rules. Um, uh, it's uh, it's like get six hours of sleep at least. Drink water. Have water with you. Shower. Deodorant. Food. Yeah. It's it's those are very easy, simple things that people for we have forgotten to do the water, food, and definitely enough sleep. We never get enough sleep. Yeah, I don't think um, anybody does. Do we as adults? Yeah. Uh but it's if you if you can stick to the six hours of sleep drink water eat food you will feel better than you'd expect like at new york comic-con this year i did those things Mm -hmm. and i felt a little better than i ever have and i didn't get con crud this year either so thank god for that yeah i know that's been plaguing a lot of a lot of the fellow podcasters that we went down with (laughs) yeah so when the phone was going off too to apologize too we were actually having some people uh twitter in on od parlay hours asking and one of the questions asked was who is your favorite cause or character to cosplay at and why for this for both of you. You're going to make me answer that first, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so it it is probably still Harley Quinn. It's because she's been a thing in my life for over a decade now and she I've loved watching how she went from basically just a nobody to as 
popular as she is now. And a lot of people are going to cry about how this isn't the real Harley Quinn. And, you know, that's fine. If there are certain versions of her you don't like, that's acceptable. Do not bash other people because of the versions they like that you don't. Mm -hmm. There's no room for toxicity here. There's no need for rudeness. Just... They like a certain version of something that you don't. That's fine. You don't need to be rude to them about it because all you're doing is crushing them a little. Also, you look like a jerk. Yeah. Um, But Harley Quinn has has and always will have a very special place in my life. But currently, I feel like my favorite thing is Tinkerbell. She's, I just feel so happy and so light and free as her. And it, the way she was received was just fantastic. Um. But it's it's probably Harley. All right, Justin. <laughs> I love being Deadpool. Oh my god, that is so much fun. No, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really I really do enjoy it because um in part because uh my costume has evolved over the years and has improved and I'm really really proud of those improvements, but mostly because it allows me to be the funny sarcastic asshole that I am, and. <laughs> I'm not – and when I say that, I don't mean like I'm out there in with the intent to insult people and like be crass and rude and like all that. I just when, – when I, when, I, when I do Deadpool at cons or, you know, just in public or whatever, I crack jokes. I have fun. I'm entertaining. The kids love me. The adults love me. I look cool. <laughs> you know, um – it's just it's fun a lot of and not not as many as you'd think a lot of people complain about it but it's because deadpool's he's like the harley quinn of conventions you know you go to a convention you know you're gonna see a thousand of them Mm. a lot of uh a lot of cosplayers are uncomfortable around deadpools because some deadpools decide that they can put the mask on and it automatically gives them the right to be a jerk deadpool is not actually that big of an asshole Mm. he's he's funny and he's mouthy but he's only a jerk to you when you are one to him right um he he's he makes snide comments because he kind of hates himself if you if you don't know like if you know like the history of the character if you know the history of deadpool he he's very uncomfortable in his own body but he's got really bad cancer yeah um it's like the joe kelly run I think kind of personified that, like yeah. what they really dug into that aspect yeah. of the character. But it's Justin is uh, he he'll he'll be rude with you if you're he's had people be rude to him as Deadpool and he he gets in their face about it and they just think he's being funny because he's Deadpool. No, he's being serious with you. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's good at being funny. Like when we went to the New York State Fair, this kid went, "Oh my God, it's Deadpool!" And he goes, "Hey kid, here have this." And he handed him an empty Gatorade bottle and walked away. And the kid went, "What what?" What, what am I supposed to do with this? And Justin's just gone. That was during the Ice Cube concert. It was very funny. <laughs> oh, my God. He, it was very – Deadpool would just hand you yeah. something and be oh, like, yeah. here, get rid of that for me. Yeah, here you go. And it's it's this is why, to me, Justin is like the real-life Deadpool. I didn't have Deadpool. a sweaty towel on hand. <laughs> 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 that would have been funny, too. Yeah, you just hand it. Yeah, here Catch. you go. Uh, but it's, yeah. like the, it's like the one football commercial. Yeah, here you go. Here's the jersey after. But take the sweaty jersey. It's it's funny uh, getting to just like when I'm Harley Quinn and I just when especially when people get really excited to see me as Harley Quinn and then we just like dance around and have fun and it's it it gives you the ability to just be a better you I guess yeah. a more fun you more fun I don't know no that makes perfect sense so to sum it up mm-hmm. what would you say to somebody that's listening the first time they're thinking okay cosplay they've heard this they're now excited. What do you think is the best tip of advice that you could give them? 
don't be scared. Just do it. Just put the costume on and go outside and have some fun. It, don't be scared. Yeah. People aren't going to make fun of you much. <laughs> yeah. Some some people are going to make a little fun of you because they don't understand what you're doing and what you need to do Those is teach are them. Boring. Yeah, you need to show them what it is you're doing so that they can go, "Oh, I'm boring. I want to do this now too." Yeah. I guarantee someone will be like, "It's not Halloween." And you be like, "It's 2 weeks from Halloween." Well, now, what yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. No, when when we get that We'll, we'll be like, Halloween. it's like the 655th day of Halloween. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, no, just... Uh, 655th. Do you know how many days are in a year? No. Okay. I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> every day is Halloween, honey. Every day every is day. Halloween. But uh, when when you're doing... when If you want to do cosplay, what, what he said, just put the costume on and do it. Maybe don't go outside yet. Wear it around your house a little bit first. Get comfortable. See if there's anything you need to fix on it. Maybe it doesn't fit quite right. But really, just put it on and go outside. Um, maybe get your friends or your family members to get involved with it so that you don't feel as alone. But it it's going to wake something up inside of you that you are not you maybe didn't know was there, and you're going to get addicted. Mm. It's like getting a tattoo. Yeah, that's what I've heard. You get one, and then it's just yeah. steamrolls from there. It's expensive. This is an expensive hobby. Like, you can do cheap cosplay, but even cheap cosplays pile up. Uh, so be, be, be ready to pour some money into this. Um but it's it is not about being the best. It is about being the best version of it that you can do that you want. If you're gonna compete, even that's not about really being the best. It is about skill and about how much time you put into it and how how good it looks. But it's it's not important if you win or not. It's it is about doing your best and showing your best than it is being the best. It's it cosplay is not one big competition. There are going to be a few people out there in the community who I'm very against uh, gatekeeping and cosplay bullying mm. and people being like, I'm the best that's out there. and No one else should do this. Like, go away. Um, <laughs> but it's be just do it for you. If other people are excited, that's fantastic. But remember, this is for you. This is its own art, living art form. You are now art. And people need to respect that and have respect for yourself, too. Well put. You are fun art. Yes, you are fun art. You are a fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, how can I close on that segment? Um, so Justin and Crisis are going to stick around. We're going to actually talk some movie, TV, and comics. We got some topics that I've been meaning to ask about. A Joker movie is going to be one of them, especially with a Harley Quinn <laughs> and Joker in studio about this. So obviously hit us up on the social media hashtags, hashtag ODPHCosTober. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. On a podcast. <clears throat> Sorry. On a podcast. Anyway, I'm going to start closing up the one movie punch secret volcano layer and we'll meet you back at home. With a secret volcano lair. Wait, wait, uh, volcano lair, really? Uh, uh, with a secret volcano lair, one podcast host just can't seem to get a break. This October. Oh, what happened? Joseph is forced to survive by any means possible. Who keeps a parking lot full of wood chippers? In a serial audio drama of adventures. Blood. Blood everywhere. Fountains and fountains of blood. That can only be called Reign of Terror 2023. 
2019. <laughs> Join us in October 2019 for 31 straight days of horror movie reviews and interviews featuring Joseph, the One Movie Crunch crew, 17 podcast guest reviewers, special guests, and me, your narrator, Shane Hyde. Don't miss Reign of Terror 2019. <laughs> Wait, does this mean I miss Joker? No. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast with Justin Incredible Cosplay and Crisis Cosplay in studio. And let's talk some tv let's talk some movies let's talk some comics we mm-hmm. are going to be talking spoilers so yes. if you're not caught up in what we're talking about we gave you fair warning joker we talked about it last week but since we have a harley quinn and joker in studio thoughts on hey. the movie oh man that movie was fantastic i loved it um listen i'm gonna say it scorsese's not wrong <laughs> oh about the, the the superhero movies listen there's 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 a discernible difference right like you can't you can't sit there and say that you know um like marvel movies deserve to be in the criterion collection or anything right they're 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 fun they're they're entertaining but at the end of the day they're 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 just that right like i think the most a marvel movies ever made me think was probably Black Panther, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And even then, I'm like, I'm thinking about like how it's the first example of Afrofuturism, and how they discuss like uh, Wakanda's non-involvement in the slave trade, which of course you know is referential to the uh, the Catholic Church. But um, like beyond that, there's not a lot of Marvel movies that make me sit back and like just consider what I just saw and just. Joker Joker just takes you outside of your comfort zone and makes you really think about mental health mm-hmm. and about society and its role in just and how its role is supposed to be there to help people and how it just overlooks people. Yeah. Right? And I'm just I'm, I'm in love with this movie. Like everything about it I'm going to go see it again here soon. I would um, like to. And it's just, it's cinema. It's it's actual cinema. I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, yeah, that it plays in the same theater as, you know, Endgame. And that that's great. But, like, so does the Emoji movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, are we going to sit there and really take what, um, what, uh. Scorsese? Um, no, no. Uh, oh. da, 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 da. Todd Phillips? Joaquin Phoenix, Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. I'm trying to remember Tony Stark's name. Oh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. just sat there and was like, "Oh, well, it it plays in theaters," and I'm like, "Well, that's 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 what movies do. They play in theaters. Like, just because it's in a theater doesn't make it cinema. If it discusses the human condition, that's what makes it cinema." 
It, it just kind of depends on the interpretation. Like, yeah. I, oh, yeah. like I like I saw that and I was like, okay, well, Scorsese has a certain tendency to just do a certain kind of film. All right, so if it's not his cup of tea, then you know, get something else off the shelf. Like, well, I, like that, no, that's I, I don't that's kind of agree with that either. Yeah. Well, and that's why I like what James Gunn put on his Instagram. I think it was last night. He said many of our grandfathers <laughs> thought all gangster movies were the same. Often call them calling them despicable. Some of our great grandfathers thought the same of westerns and believe films like the films of John Ford, Sam uh, Pinkimpa, and Sergio. Leon were all exactly the same. I remember a great uncle to whom I was raving about Star Wars. He responded by saying, I saw that when it was when it was called 2001, and boy was it boring. Superheroes are simply today's gangsters slash cowboys slash outer space adventures. Some superhero films are awful, some are beautiful. Like westerns and gangster movies, and before that, just movies. Not everyone will be able to appreciate them, even some geniuses, and that's okay. Man, I agree with that. Yeah, I, th- I, I think James got hit it on the head. Yeah, I, th- I think it nailed it spot on. I mean, like I said, there's a place for everything, and like Marvel, yeah. Marvel movies, you know what you're getting in when you go in. Yeah, like they're they're not going to be the epic, detailed dramas, for the most part. I mean, you can't really right. say Ant Man's up there. No, as like you know a super over the top film, but but it's a fun film, right? But the thing I think for me with with Joker, and I did mention this last week. I, you know, I was going into it with high expectations because of what everyone was saying in the film festivals, but there was also a tiny bit of trepidation in there because I'd heard about the reshoots and the, the rewrites and the this and the that. I'm like, all right, you know, what is that? But Lord, they nailed it. Yep. No, they nailed it as as top shelf as they could. Like I said, I really enjoyed the movie, but I didn't take it as a superhero film. Like no. that, that was the big Not, thing. Yeah. Well, no, I, I took it as, and I said this on last week's show, as it says perception is reality through the eyes of a mentally ill man. Mm-hmm. That's what I took it as, and oh. and I I just I even to like the point where like the ending, I thought he was just telling his version of his story. However, he saw it. Well, you don't. So you, that's how the Joker works. Like anytime he's ever told us his story, it's always the same. Like, you don't know if he's telling you the truth. You don't know if what you're seeing is it's real. The un- it's yeah. the unreliable narrator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I, and I thought it worked so well for mm-hmm. this film. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, I actually was reading an article right before we got here about how if any of you notice the clocks, any visible clocks in the movie were all 11-11. Mm-hmm. Every hmm. single clock was 11-11. At the end of the movie when he's in, when he's in the... When he's in the asylum, the clock behind him is 11, 11 p.m. Huh. Or 11, 11 a.m. Huh. Um, and then, you know, he kills a psychiatrist and he runs away. Well, so what it is, is is he, it was a, um, what it's supposed to be, a lot of theories are for the, the clock is that because every other clock in the entire movie, even though the movie obviously goes over a couple of weeks worth of right. time, mm-hmm. was... Is the reason it was eleven eleven is because it was all happening at the same time because he was telling his therapist the story of what happened, and was it real though? Well, have you, so have you guys ever seen Waking Life? No, no, no. no. Okay, so um, in Waking Life they argue that uh, well the the whole movie is set within a dream state, right? mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of done in uh, the same style as oh god what's this stupid movie's name. Uh, had Keanu Reeves in it. Point Blank. No, it was animated. Matrix. Oh, 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 animated. Yeah, but it was. It wasn't really animated. It was rotoscoped. Okay. So and uh, God, what is it called? I've never heard of this. Um, well, anyway. Anyways, uh, crap. Where was I? <laughs> it was a dreamscape. Right. So, um, one of the, one of the one of the points that they make is that when you look at a clock or anything like that, like a book or a calendar or anything. Yep. Uh, in in a dream state, you won't be able to read it. 
you can't read the clock because like there's no actual time passing yeah. inside of your mind. So in 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 this case, um, is it scanner darkly? It is a scanner darkly. Yeah, it's it's shot it's it's shot in the same uh, style as a scanner darkly, and uh, that that's one of the implications is that um, if the time is consistent throughout the movie and it's constantly eleven 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 throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie, mm-hmm. it is possible that it's part of his dream scape of what had happened yeah. like for example a uh, little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the movie oh we already um, said we already yeah. gave fair warning go uh, ahead the, the the woman that he uh was trying believes to he's involved with says he beats right um clearly all of that was in his head yeah clearly because right? at later on they reversed back through all of the instances that she was in and she wasn't really there he was imagining that she was right and if we're if the implication is that at the end of the film that um the entire film was just him relating the story to his psychiatrist. Yeah, because he has a delusional then disorder. The entire film is taking place inside of his mind, which is mm-hmm. where the class. like he he imagined that she was there because he has delusional fantasies, right. uh, and you know the the laughing tick that he has, and the fact that he has anxiety and depression very clearly, mm-hmm. um, like in the scene when he was up on stage telling jokes and he was laughing and then he finally got one out and he thought that the audience was applauding and stuff and then you realize that nobody laughed at all. He wasn't even there. Yeah. No, wait, that was no the he was No, he there. was there, but he was there, but nobody None, was laughing. It didn't end right. up going as well as he thought. That was thought. the first interview with uh, Murray there. Right. Um, but uh, this... Yeah, this is not a superhero movie, A, because no. there are no superheroes in it. No, not at all. And B, um, it's... Just, it's, it's, yeah. I don't know if I brought this up last time, but, um, it kind of, like, it's got a lot of the same kind of, gave me a lot of the same feelings as I did when I watched uh, Birdman with Michael Keaton. Okay. Okay. Like, in, in both that it was dark and it was about mental illness and coming to terms with who you are. Right. Inside. And it's also, it's, so, Birdman is the only superhero-esque movie that has ever won best picture best actor best supporting actors best supporting actors mm. and it's because it it really goes to that place that kind of relatable place of imposter syndrome right which is basically what it discusses because the entire point of the movie is that the guy who's pl- who played birdman in the past trying to recreate uh, uh, restart his career by doing a stage mm-hmm. um, actually has superpowers or at least we're we're led to believe, led to believe he, he's led to believe it right? yeah. they, they leave that ending it's open at the end for interpretation but the idea here is is that this guy with actual superpowers gets to play a role on TV where he plays a guy with superpowers and because of that, it kind of creates this mental block where he doesn't believe that he could actually be the hero that he plays. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that that I feel like I feel like that's that's why Joker is gonna like blow everything out of the water. I mean, like we already see he's on track to beat out Deadpool for yeah uh, highest grossing rated R movie 
internationally, not domestically. Yeah, no, as of this uh, <laughs> weekend, it is over $700 million worldwide. Yeah. And that's that's killing it. Yeah. yeah. You definitely have to be ready when you watch this movie. Like, yeah. I, a lot of people were going in probably expecting it to be a superhero movie or to be a little bit lighter on its feet. It is not. No. It is a little disturbing. Um, oh, yeah. And for anybody that does suffer from some mental illnesses like myself, I definitely don't have the things that the Joker or uh, uh, Arthur Fleck has, um, That be that his real name. Um, it's... He's dealing with so much more going on in his head than a lot of people are. And nowadays, society is actually trying to take care of its mentally ill people because we know what can happen if we don't. Um, there are some people out there who definitely need to be helped more. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, it appears that most people who might feel like they're about to snap will admit themselves. So I know this movie sparked a little bit of fear among people who don't understand mental illness. They were like, oh, a lot of people are going to go out and they're going to start riots just because this guy did. And that's not at all how this movie depicts that happening. Right. This is completely different. Um, there's a very deep reason as to why there are rioters in this movie, and it is not just because of the Joker and what he did. He was just the little spark to help them do what they needed to do. Or so he um, thought he was, too. Right? That's that, true. That, that's, that's he may not thing. have, yeah, he may not have ended as, like, the hero in his head or whatever. Right. But, um... This movie brought me a weird sense of peace. As I said, I don't suffer from things like as deeply as he does. Uh, but at the end of the movie, I was just calm. I was a little nervous when I first initially felt that calmness because I was like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean there's something wrong with me? It doesn't. It just, it was a really well written and filmed movie. Like, it just made me feel like this, whoever wrote this knew what kind of message they were trying to send. And I, I hope that they sent it to people. I I do. Well, I think what it did is it painted how serious mental health is Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how if it's not taken care of, the extreme consequences that can happen with it. But we're not, not like, not taking care of, like, don't treat these people like they're criminals. Like, they're just people who need a little extra help. Right. They just need, they need a little bit of kindness and understanding because if you, if you ignore the fact that they even have mental illness, you're going to push them over the edge. That doesn't mean they're going to hurt people, but they're going to hurt themselves. Yeah. And you don't want to see that happen to anybody. No, absolutely not. And I thought this, the movie definitely brought that to the attention and forefront. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the underlying message. It has nothing, honestly, to do with Batman or the origin of the Joker, if you even want to take it as. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with the future of Joaquin Phoenix, if he's going to come back and play it. That'd be cool. I heard he was... Interested. He's interested with it, but I don't know what the Matt Reeves long Halloween trilogy they're going to wind up doing. I don't know if it'll fit. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know if necessarily for that. I think it would be good for a standalone, like with another Batman maybe. Here's what I think. I think sh- they should let Jared Leto take another shot <laughs> and be like, the bar has been raised. Meet it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I. <sighs> it wasn't just – here's the thing. It wasn't just Jared Leto's Joker. It wasn't just him that made that Joker what it was. It was also the creator of that version of the Joker. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't just him. Hey, no, listen. I I like Jared Leto's yeah. acting. I didn't like his design. Yeah, neither did I. No, I thought it was too glammed up. Like yeah. for what the Joker should be. Right. Like because I mean we we've been lucky that we've had great Jokers like Heath Ledger and yeah. Jack Nicholson oh, yeah. and Mark Hamill too. I Heath mean, Ledger was like my favorite. And when I went and saw the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, my friend texted me and goes, "So how do you compare it to Heath Ledger?" And my brain went, "Oh crap! I forgot he existed for a second. Yeah. That's how much I fell in love with this version. Well, he, yeah, because he carved his own path, and oh, it was yeah. it was so original in the take because 
it took away from the super villain aspect and just showed him as a man that was struggling with mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is ultimately what the Joker really was in the beginning. Right. You know it. Yeah, because, I mean, it borrows so much from the Killing Joke book by Alan mm-hmm. Moore, but you take everything that has Batman involved in that book and take it out, and that's essentially what you have there. I mean, uh, and that's why I think Alan Moore's book really resonates with that, too, a lot. Speaking of Alan Moore. Yeah, speaking of Alan Moore. Okay. Mm. Watchmen. Actually, not speaking of Alan Moore. Yeah. Because <laughs> you guys noticed that during the credits, right? Yep. The, com- the, the complete You snub. freaked out. I was, mm, okay. Like I know he. You, you said that he didn't give them the rights to do this. Oh, he he, he he is very vocal that he does not want anybody doing anything with the property. I'll say the right. vibe I get is, you know, any immediate family wouldn't even have the right to do anything with Watchmen. Yeah, that's the that's the general vibe well, I get. Not having obviously having why not is met that the man. though? Because he, he doesn't own the rights to the characters oh. because they're owned by DC and because of that DC can do whatever they want with them. And Alan Moore's not particularly happy about that, even though the characters aren't even his original characters because he based them off the Charleston Comics characters in the first place. Mm. So you know, it it's, it's sounds this like this a whole big mess. thing. Alan, yeah. I love Alan Moore. Yeah, but like. He doesn't have a leg to stand on in this yeah. argument, and that, that's and that's the problem. It, mm-hmm. That because he doesn't give his blessing about this. That you know, every time like we've talked about this on with Watchmen too. It's like he's the bo- getting bill fingered. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, he's getting faded out. And even though these are his characters and his work, and like with Watchmen and and, and the bar that he raised with comic mm-hmm. stories with this. That's true. I mean, the stakes were very high coming into this, and. Like I say, anytime that you cross into the Watchmen universe, whether it's was the relaunch they did a couple of years ago, like the Before Watchmen series, I liked the Before Watchmen stuff. Yeah, like some of it was good, but it's like I you know for me, like I kind of struggle with it because I'm like, right, you can't touch Watchmen. No, like, and that was my thing. I yeah, I, like I had the mental block in me already. Like, mm. oh, just don't, don't, don't go near it. And then Doomsday Clock has been fantastic. Doomsday Clock is unreal. Yeah, like Jeff like, Johns and Gary Frank, the work they're doing on that. Everything book. about Doomsday Clock has been amazing. But yeah, this new episode of Watchmen f- from HBO, um, definitely hit a weird chord. Yeah, I agree. Like, like I thought it was good, but it was like. All right, let's see where we go. Right, but even then, like the 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 place we've been set up, like the where where we are in the story, and we are talking spoilers too. Just is, to remind everybody, is very uncomfortable because, of course, first we got to remember that this is thirty five years after the events of the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Right, that took place in nineteen eighty four, and we are now in uh, twenty nineteen. So, like everything that's happened. Uh, Rorschach's death, uh, the Night Owl and Silk Spectre, like, disappearing from society, uh, along with Adrian, clearly, yes. and Dr. Manhattan still being on the uh, Mars. Yep. And, of course, uh, they're following the uh, the actual story, the, the original Alan Moore story, rather than the Zack Snyder story, by uh, involving the squids uh, raiding from the sky, which you were confused about, if I recall. Yeah, why are there squids? So, in the comic... Um, uh, Adrian teleports a psychic squid. Yeah, and that's what destroys the cities, right? Right. right. Not so just thir- some random explosion. Right. So thirty five right. years later, it rains Rain squids. squids. That's. I think they're adorable because I love squids. <laughs> but why is it raining? You're squids? probably the only person in the world that would go out and dance. Probably. That. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it just ties it back. Like it was a throwback to like how they ended the Watchmen oh, book. Oh, that makes way more sense now. Yeah, because I, I mean, at first it took me a second. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Well, right. now you know, if it had been in the movie, maybe I would have. 
picked up on the. It's the only way they gave Alan more credit. <laughs> yeah, like that was like the little tip of the cap to him. Like the only thing in this episode. But the choices they've made so far, like the um, I we were already talking about this outside. Uh, the choice to make the the seventh cavalry. Yeah. Like Rorschach worshippers and their um racists. Yeah. Oh, and they're, and they're white supremacists. Yeah. Like and Rorschach is not that. Yeah, like, right. I'm yeah. not wrong in saying as far that, as right? I kn- well, I don't think there was anything in the comic that that he, would say otherwise, like that he was. Yeah, but I don't think he was like what they think he was. Right. right. Yeah, they're completely twisting the image of him to to fit into this role, which I was like, I I don't really get right. this. And then um, the the angle they're taking with the cops and how they've decided to start wearing masks after. Uh, this incident, which they're going to, uh, I guess, discuss later on, but I, from the trailers and from what they've already alluded to, uh, from what I, uh, they said that uh, the cops at one point in like, the past 10 years all got hunted down. Yeah, it was, it was the events, because I just had to call my notes right. here. It was the events of, they referred to it as the White Knight, right. that the cops were getting invaded at their homes and everybody was going after them and their person and their families too. So now they're wearing masks to conceal their identities. Right, Which but the higher-ranking cops, it seems, the ones that, like, survived the event, yeah. are now the masked vigilantes taking the law into their own hands? It, it seems like, well, would they depicted uh, Regina King's character right. of um, Sister Knight. Mm-hmm. And she gives her backstory about how she survived, but now she's, yeah, she's like secretly one of the vigilantes. Right. Where and you had like Don Johnson's character, who I'm assuming is like the police commissioner of Tulsa. Yes. At this stage, and he, you never see him wear a mask. No, he no. never covers his no, face. No, he never covers well, his face. See, which, the reason for that, I think, is because he's a public official, right? Yeah. He's an elected official, so unlike the the beat cops, mm-hmm. like he is the face of the police force. So hiding his identity is a little redundant. But you'll notice his his house is a compound. It's yeah. got armed guards. Yeah, he has armed guards everywhere until near the end of the episode where he goes off by himself. Right. Which, which was bad idea. Yeah, which I, I I sit there and question. I'm like, you know the stakes are high because the entire episode is centered around the uh, 7th Cavalry shooting a police officer. Right. And just the ramifications on both sides of the fence. Now, that part of the show I was actually all about because it really kind of set up, like, what has happened since, uh, since Adrian's Gambit. Right. Which I guess I'll call. And... No, I, I thought that that like part was the good. Co- the cops not having access to their guns unless approved by uh, dispatch. Right. And um, just the whole scene was I powerful. When, when we saw the um, uh, trailer for this, mm-hmm. I thought that the Rorschach people were supposed to be people who were against police brutality uh, because it's that's right. a thing that we deal with in real life. Um, but I thought that that's what they were. I thought they were going to be, you know, citizens who were trying to stand up for people who were beaten on and killed relentlessly just because cops. Right. But now I'm confused because they're definitely white supremacists because that's what they've been called or countless times. are they? See, that's the thing is, are they going to flip the script on us later? I like, think I think they kind of teased it as the red herring. So, like, that, which... Like I say, I really was confused at how they were trying to take the direction with. Right. Yeah. Just the fact they were using Rorschach as a symbol. Yeah. And tying in that character who had never had that 
or around him to be tied with that. Like he was always the one that was trying to do justice and truth. And I mean, just be the, the conscience of the Watchmen universe yeah. to see it get flipped like this was a weird interpretation. Yeah, like, there's definitely something in there that they're hiding that they're going to like this is going to completely flip over and cop the cops aren't going to be the good guys. That's just where I feel like it's going to go. I mean, like, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, like, well like the, the whole thing about with the setup, especially how they did the ending, mm. in which I thought was uh, it was a good cliffhanger ending, but also puzzling because not of what happened with Don Johnson's character, but Louis Gossett Jr.'s character just sitting under the tree. And just calmly talking with Regina King's character, and I was like, "Wait, wait, wait! What? Like, what is going on here?" Well, okay. So first off, that guy mm-hmm. is the kid from Tulsa. Okay, from yeah. the raid. Okay, from the raid that they were showing originally in the Tulsa nineteen twenty one raid. He, right. he aged. Yeah. Well, he's he's ninety eight years yeah, old. That's very old. Well, okay. So no, the the infant that he found would be ninety eight years old. So he's a bit older than that at this point. Yeah, I think he said but, he was yeah. one hundred and five in the wow, next wow, the preview wow. for the next episode. Yep, that makes sense. So yeah, uh, he's gonna be interesting in that he's this character that has been around since the Minutemen first appeared mm-hmm. and has seen everything that's happened. Yeah. So he's he's going to be our living witness, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna he's gonna be a really really interesting character to to figure out here soon, because like when when they did the Tulsa raid first, I had to I had to like take a second and like hop on Google and remind myself that this is a real thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh right? yeah. This is a real thing. Oh yeah. But but the Watchmen universe is a little bit unique compared to let's say the rest of the DC universes, right? Because it technically exists within the multiverse of Mm -hmm. the DC continuity. Right. Right. But the difference here is, is that unlike in every other superhero universe, the soup, the existence of superheroes has actively affected the arc of history. Right. Right. Like for example, uh, when Superman died, right. Bill Clinton was president. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And of course, uh, uh, George Bush became president, and then I'll like, say there wasn't there one issue of Spider Man where Barack Obama was featured right, in it, right, right, right. And uh, Barack also shows up in I think a Suicide Squad issue, right? Yes, he does. And then recently in the Year of the Villain uh, issue zero, uh, they imply that Trump is the president, right? right? But we know in the Watchmen universe that Nixon never got impeached, right? Because he's and, on Mount and, Rushmore, right? And ended up with multiple terms. Hmm. Yeah, so. Because of that, we know that everything's different in their universe. That's what. That's why when you watch that first episode and you see the world that they're living in now, it's almost unrecognizable. Right, because especially another point too, bringing that up is Robert yeah. Redford mm-hmm. is a president or was a president, and yeah. they refer to Redforations. Oh my! In this, I mean, yeah, that just, that, that word was interesting. Because I was like. Is this kid actively mispronouncing reparations? Well, that's what I was thinking too. When I, when I watch it, I'm like, and I see this picture, I'm like, oh, oh, Robert Redford, okay. president. Okay, okay, this <laughs> this is weird, but this makes, I guess, some sense. But yeah, I mean, how they depicted this, and like I said, we really don't know exactly what the Seventh Calvary. I mean, they heavily are playing their white supremacists, right? But can't always take what the police tell you right at face value right it, it's just such a it's a the lines are so blurred i mean that's one thing the watchman does so well i mean right. go, going back to alan moore's story is he really doesn't have anybody that's good or bad he has so many right. shades yeah. of gray yeah that i think just that people yeah you know? 
that yeah i mean it's just a true reflection so to see it come to here which i think is going to be interesting because where they're going with it like i said the action sequences in this where i thought were great i mean the the battle on the militia front um i thought was one of the the better things they could have done and seeing the night owl uh archie archie blimp get used I thought it was like okay, this is kind of interesting because they did yeah, do subtle nods. That was another thing. Right? I was, did they steal it from him? Well, that's what I was thinking because I go, you don't see any reference to Night Owl or Silk Spectre, except for the animated show that they were mm-hmm. showing on the TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even then, that was the, of the Minutemen with the hooded justice and all that. Right. right. So, but other than that, you don't see a mention, and then you just see the the Night Owl Archie show up, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, well, wait, what's going on here? Because I originally I thought that maybe Don Johnson was Night Owl. Well, but we don't know. Here's the thing, right? Like, even for 1984, Night Owl ship is leagues beyond what we have now. Right. Right? So, as I'm watching this, I'm wondering, did they... Is this Archie? Or did the cops get their hands on the plans for Archie and make a fleet of these guys? See, that's why I was... I was thinking too is like where is the connection in here because they didn't do anything especially with them to say which way or the other Mm -hmm. it would make sense if they stole the plans because if they really shut down the superheroes and basically the the police are now the superheroes you would have to say that maybe something got tampered in there right so i mean it it brings up a good point because the only other reference we really saw was they did show a shot of dr manhattan on mars right making you know Making and destroying stuff. Yeah. Nothing specific yet. Nothing yet, so. But what we do know is that the world thinks that Adrian's dead. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly alive. Yeah. And I'm just going to say it. I think they're robots. They got to be. They're, 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 they're robots, right? There was something too mechanical about their personalities. Like, they're just too obedient, too perfect, which would be something that Ozymandias would do. Right. Yeah, I, would, I was kind of getting the vibe of either that or they are cyborgs. Like, he has tampered with them somehow, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure how, but it's Ozymandias, so anything is fair game. But the fact that he's still alive and in, we would assume, isolation somewhere, an exile, right, is also another story because how is he going to get brought in to uh, this? I, f- I feel like that's going to be uh, Regina King just, like, having to find him and then going to him and just... I'm not sure if he's actually got a like a master plan this time. You know what I mean? See, I almost wonder if he does because I mean, with how they ended with Don Johnson's character getting <laughs> killed, right? And now they're setting up another murder mystery, which I was like, okay, well, this would be like the comedian 2.0. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened here? I think obviously, it, you know, Adrian um, has got to have something to do with it. He just he can't keep his hands out of the cookie jar. Right. So, what is going to be the tagline with this? But to see it tied in with Watchmen, and they said there's going to be one season, too. So this is over and done with, whenever the length of the show is. Twelve-ish, twelve episodes. Twelve episodes, I believe. Guaranteed twelve episodes. Yeah. Watchmen was twelve episodes. There are twelve issues. Doomsday, Doomsday clock. clock. Twelve issues. Hmm. There are twelve numbers on a clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I, it, it has to make sense to do that, and then once they're done with that, they're done. Like they said, there's not going to be a season two. Right. I think it's interesting to see that how they brought it back and how they they tried flipping the story, but it just I don't know something about it just didn't really resonate. Like I thought it was good, mm-hmm. but it just didn't really connect. Like when I read the book, and I was like, okay, this makes sense. Well, I feel like we're gonna have to get a few more episodes in before the story starts feeling more appropriate. Yeah, because as it stands, 
it doesn't really feel like Alan Moore. No, it like, doesn't. Admittedly, we obviously it's not Alan Moore. Right. But it just doesn't feel right. Even as like an homage to the yeah. Watchmen universe, right? it doesn't feel like Watchmen. Like, like V for Vendetta. Yeah. Despite all of its changes, still felt like Alan Moore. Yeah, you could you could see you could feel the tone and the persona come off right. on the actors and the writing. Right. This just didn't. This just seemed like, you know, somebody else was trying to like saw it on TV and was trying to do their own version, which right. like I said many times on the podcast, like they have to nail the show perfect because to tie Watchmen into it and not nail it out of the park, I mean, it's a mistake. And to do one season, like, this story had better be amazingly epic mm-hmm. to connect that universe. Otherwise, like, why are you wasting the time doing it? And like you say, I mean, there's so many questions right now of, like, who's really the heroes and who's really the villains. So is that going to be the underlying thing moving forward? Well, we'll have to wait and see and watch. Right. Well, it's definitely worth checking out. Anything new comic-wise you want to cover? Uh, oh, no, I'm really excited because uh, they're doing the dark multiverse titles mm-hmm. for uh, DC right now, and it's just it's like uh, this week or last week was uh, the dark multiverse version of Nightfall, and next week's supposed to be or this week is supposed to be the dark multiverse version of the death of Superman. Oh, Lois, that's gotta be fun. Lois Lane gets the Eradicator. Oh my! Yeah, and becomes the vengeance of Krypton, and I'm really excited for that. But I'm also really enjoying obviously the new x-men stuff i just finished uh, house and powers of x there what's your thoughts on that it was really good it was really good um i will say that the the powers of 10 storyline um didn't make a lot of sense until that final ep- issue yeah i agreed where you find out that oh it's the life of moira six yeah and but otherwise up until that point i'm just like what? why are we telling this story yeah you know yeah, yeah. no i had the same feelings but otherwise it's been a fantastic run, and it's just – I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens because they just they, – they, they brought in the, uh, the, the their council there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it's, it's really interesting the way they're setting stuff up. Yeah, the dynamic on that council is very interesting. Yeah. Plus, I'm, I'm getting weirded out by seeing Apocalypse wear a suit. <laughs> like, there's something that just Reservoir Dogs about it. I don't know why. I just see that image, and I'm like – Yep, I can hear like Quentin Tarantino music uh-huh. playing as he's like walking out of the courtroom yeah, and just waiting for him to cut somebody's ear. That's gonna be interesting because um, he's supposed to be an Excalibur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm I'm a little weirded out by that because it's like obviously you've got a classic uh, X Men villain being on you know just one of the teams as one of the dudes, right? Yeah. But they've also got Betsy Braddock on the team. Yeah, as Captain Britain. Right. But they've also got um, Psylocke on another team. Well, she's on Fallen Angels, which right. when we went to the panel at uh, New York Comic Con, they were saying that the team of Fallen Angels are people that don't feel comfortable on Krakoa. Right. right. For various reasons. Like and, they all have their own reason that they're not comfortable. Yeah, so they're taking off. I think they start off in Madripoor. Right. And they're going to kind of go yeah. in their own. And then I know they're adding members, um, Husk and Blink. I think so, yeah. Um, by issue three or four. So they'll be getting more characters involved. So I don't know exactly how that team is going to look. But, right. but yeah, I think, though, the Excalibur book, I mean, when I first saw it, I thought it was Justice League Odyssey. When, when I saw Darkseid on a book, like, that that blew my mind, seeing him on a Justice League team. Oh, man, that story is insane right now. Yeah. Um, trust me, he is not on the team. Yeah. Yeah, it, just seeing him on there, I'm like, uh, I don't even know where to go with this one. 
but, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. He, he he ended up betraying them all. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's dark side. He's dark side. Yeah, dark side is. That's that's all you can really say about that. I was considering wearing that shirt tonight. Oh, so good, so good. I like. I, I can't wait for more Tom King to come out. Like mm. the new God script. He told us that Khan was doing November. Ooh. So he's like, yeah. If you see me freaking out on Twitter, you know why. All right. I'm looking forward to a new God's book by Tom King. He did a great job with uh, Mr. Miracle there. And well, I mean the movie though. Oh, the, the oh, movie. He's writing the movie. He's writing oh, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh. A- Ava DuVernay is directing. Ooh. He is doing the script. Ooh, for what? Is done. Yep. For um, New Gods. Oh. Oh. Oh man, I was looking forward to the Eternals, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, New Gods. I don't even it's, care anymore. It's, it's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. I can't wait to see that. Um, I mean, there's so many good books coming out too. Year of the Villain is kicking into gear, and the whole Apex Lex versus uh, Batman Who Laughs War coming. Uh, did Did you read the um, the Year of the Villain Lex Luthor tie-in? Yes. Oh my God, I actually made Christina read this, mm-hmm. and it's just so good. Just amazing Lex Luthor story, and just the entire thing right now has been a fantastic. I mean, Scott Snyder's really killing it. Yeah. And I think Tinian's also uh, working Tinian's, with him. Yep, Tinian's <laughs> taking some parts and in it. he's also writing Justice League Dark, and he's going to be writing Batman here soon, and they've all, and he's been writing the Batman Ninja Turtles series. Like, they've got some really amazing writers just going to town on the DC Universe right now, and it is glorious. Yeah. Glorious. Yeah, I know they've announced that uh, Snyder's run, I think, is done in around January, February next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, I, I shared that article like a week ago. I yeah, I think, yeah, I was reading, um, yeah, which, I mean, he's definitely putting in his time, like, yeah. I mean, just how crazy and, like, Saturday morning epic this book is. Put him on Superman. Oh. No, wait, I like Bendis. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. speaking of which, because uh, we have this discussion, Clark Kent r- losing a secret identity. Do it. Do, you're all for it. Okay, here's the thing, right? Like, Obviously, I love I love the trope of the secret identity, but it's like it's like Brian Michael Bendis said, right? Like, we will get a thousand more Superman stories out of this, mm-hmm. out of this one change to his character. We could have Superman being a a blogger, right? Because it's not like he hasn't spent his entire life like writing. Yeah, that's true. Right, and he could he could like actually say stuff with his perspective and not have to sit there and be this whole like well I'm Superman so I gotta kind of stay out of your human stuff yeah because like he's he's Clark Kent like he's not Superman is Superman right obviously but he's Clark Kent you know he grew up Clark Kent he married a woman named as Clark Kent you know like he had a son as Clark Kent he's Clark Kent yeah that that's who he is Superman Superman is the way the world sees him. Mm-hmm. Mm. Clark Kent is the way that his his wife, his son, his parents, his friends see him, and that's and now the world's gonna see him like that, and it's gonna lead to a bunch of crazy stories. Obviously, he's gonna get sued. Yeah, mm. he's gonna get sued right off the bat for misrepresenting himself in the news. Yeah, a lot of people right? are gonna be like, "You've just been lying to us this whole time." No, like- he's been telling the truth the whole time because if you look at it, right, one of the first article. The first article, the article that got him hired at the Daily Planet, was an interview with him and Superman where Superman basically spills everything. It's like, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. This is where I'm from. Mm. All right. Yeah. I, right? I knew that. So, like, people are going to be like, well, you didn't – you said Superman said that. And he's like, yeah, I'm Superman. Mm. This is where I'm from. This mm. is These are my weaknesses. These are my strengths. 
Yeah, because I, I think yeah. this is going to go over more better than when Spider-Man revealed his secret identity. Well, I mean, obviously, different storyline and different reasons for it. The reason for that is, right, like, Superman's family can handle itself. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's family is a little bit different mm-hmm. in that, yeah. like, Mary Jane is most definitely not Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. Right, like Lois Lane. Lois Lane is Lois Lane. Yeah, Lois Lane is yeah. She Lois Lane is oh. probably one of the most badass women in the DC universe. I was gonna like, say she's a force of nature powers. in her own right. The only power she has is the power of the press, and she uses it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you gonna do? Threaten her? Good luck, man. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? Threaten his son? Mm-hmm. His mm-hmm. son is Superman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, little Superman. Right. Superman. Yeah. Oh, we're gonna threaten his best friend. Uh, that's Batman. Yeah. Like, what? The the thing about like threatening Superman's loved ones is that they can all handle themselves, and they've made it very clear to him about that. Also, are you really gonna threaten Superman's loved ones? Superman's, <laughs> really, really? Yeah, I mean, we haven't <laughs> How really is seen. That gonna go? Yeah, we haven't really seen him too angry, but yeah. when he does, well, even even if even so, even if you didn't really make him angry when you threaten his loved ones, it's still Superman. Yeah, he doesn't really have to be angry at you for him to like stop you yeah so it, it's gonna be interesting once they get going on that i mean dc's got a big you know end of the year going on obviously the cw shows mm-hmm. crisis mm-hmm. on infinite i'm so excited for My that God. it's gonna, gonna be, be nuts. so epic i heard titans has been all but confirmed yep. i'm i need my brendan fraser doom patrol though oh my god <laughs> when i found out brendan fraser was gonna be robot man i started weeping like not really but i was like weeping on the inside because I love Brendan Fraser. I grew up in the era when he was like your childhood crush and he still is. It's and I just he'll be able to say I fuck. just love yeah. him so much as as Robot Man and I'm like this is the best thing that's ever happened well, to Well, the, the, the Titans thing, they, CW wants it to happen mm-hmm. just for whatever reason. It might not. It mm-hmm. might. It's kind of up in the air, and I, I haven't really seen anything going one way or the other. Yeah, I, I think you'll just see like a cameo. Like, you know, when Flash ran through the timeline well, and, and there and was because, the Legion ring. Well, and because the thing like of that. it is, too, with, with Chris and Infidurus, yes, it's going to be epic. Yes, it's going to be amazing and, and all this stuff. But you logistically think of, like, how many people they are bringing back for this crossover you know tom welling's coming back mm-hmm. as superman you know justin hartley's coming back as is green arrow from smallville like logistically there's what five episodes i think of this five, yeah. yeah you know burt ward's coming back kevin conroy's gonna be on you know linda carter's gonna be on like there's just not enough time in the span of like five forty whatever minute episodes to get them all on it's there's gonna, gonna be, be a lot of cameos it's gonna be great yeah, yeah they gotta do extended though I about, really, I really hope the whole Mark Hamill Joker thing happens. Oh, that'd be great. That needs to. He can, you know, he realistically could show up in this thing like three times. <laughs> yep. he'd, he'd be like Mick Foley. Oh, that'd be that would be amazing. Well, you've been following all the DC shows though <laughs> oh, coming yeah. back. Yeah. So what's been standing out to you? Um, so far, I mean, Batwoman's been getting better. I mean, the episode they had this week, you know, was probably the best they've had by far. You know, she finally kind of grew out of the I'm not. Batman, I'm Batwoman. You know, I gotta stop trying to be Batman and be my own thing. But so far, Arrow, I think, has been the best out of all of them. Just that that first episode was incredible. Yeah, the I fact see he's your Arrow and I raise you Flash. Okay, really? Yeah. Well, when we started watching Arrow, I really loved it, and then it got really boring. And then we started watching Flash, and Flash is my favorite superhero. And I was like, I love all of this so much. There has been a few down moments where I'm like, God, just stop talking. See, like, that, like that was my problem with it because, like, I I feel that the CW has a curse on season three, mm. and season three is always the weakest one. Mm. Like, Savitar hated. 
Yeah. yeah, I yeah. didn't love that either. Like, and they tried making it too happy. Like, they did the same thing in Arrow when it was Ra's al Ghul, and then they had to go swing the momentum. Like, oh, we'll make Oliver happy. We'll make Barry extra happy. It was like, Barry's already happy. Like, you don't yeah. need him, like, on pixie sticks running around no. Central City, even though that would be pretty amazing, him on a sugar high. But to see, like, where they're at now, like, this season, I thought Flash opened pretty strong coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Flash Gordon theme song in the, in the season mm-hmm. premiere. Ash. Um, that was so funny yeah like that was a hysterical part and it kind of brought back the essence t- to what Flash yeah. is doing because like with blood work I don't really know how to take that villain because he's relatively new mm-hmm. so I, I hope they have a strong lead in but if he's only going to be around for half the season until crisis I'm okay with that mm-hmm. the fact Arrow's reliving his life now I think is amazing Yeah, like that he has to go to different earths and relive each season now oh my god yeah, like the first the season premiere. That's all I it was. Seen that yet? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I won't spoil it for that's you. That's exciting. I'm really excited about that now. Yeah, because they they yeah they they do the intro and there is changes all through it. Nice. Because he's on Earth. I want to. It's not Earth Two. No, it's not. I don't remember if they say it or not. They might not say the Earth. If if he's on Earth Two, he better look like Robin Hood. Mm. That's all I'm saying. No, he's he have the pointy hat. No, no, it's no, not no, Earth it's Two. It's not Earth Two. I, they don't, I don't think they outright say which Earth it I'm is. I'm just disappointed we never got the pointy yeah. hat. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the goatee? Yeah. Yet. I need me a goatee on that man's face. I'll say if, if I'm not series. mistaken, Amel did make certain promises. Yes, that he if, did. That if the show got to a certain season, he'd do the goatee. He, he's got to do the goatee for uh, Crisis. That would be fantastic. Yeah, he needs to do it. And I'm still saying Supergirl's going to be holding up the dead body of Superman, like the cover. Ouch. That's See, my, my that's my early prediction. I don't think so. I think Okay, so here's what I'm here's here's my prediction for the for the crossover. Is that Flash and Supergirl will die. Mhm. But the deal that was struck between the Monitor and Arrow will undo those deaths, but we will get the classic scenes of Barry running to his death and we will get the scene of Tyler Hochin holding uh, Melissa Benoist in his arms. I'm I, going I think to weep. I know they're I, I, I just See, feel it in here. I don't that think I can do. watch Barry run himself to death. I don't think I can do that. Well, but he did have to, but he did do it. Uh, they did tease it though in that in that little uh, first episode two of the current season. Like he does that run and then he disappears and I was like crisis. I don't think They're I can actually it. watch it, but it hurts. It's gotta. Oh, the, yeah. Like I and I say, I'm I'm fully I'm fully convinced Supergirl's gonna be holding Superman. I'm I'm convinced I on it. I think I think Supergirl's gonna die temporarily. I don't that's, like that that's either. A, that's my prediction. Maybe. I'm uh, so yeah. excited with the, the way Supergirl it looks, show. It looks like they're really going all out on the fan service. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, and while I, under, I I get where you're coming from though, because like it makes sense for her to be holding. Yeah. She, it, she's the lead. Yeah. But. I don't know. I think it's a lot more impactful to take the main character of the show and just kill him. I, I think, I mean, as long as they do justice to the source material, I'll right. be happy. That would be nice. Yeah, like, that's what I just want to see with this. Like, so far, they have. Yeah, they've been. I mean, like, yeah, the, the uh, sh- uh, uh, him, uh, what's his name coming back as Pariah? Oh, it's, uh, Ka- Tom Cavanaugh. Tom Cavanaugh. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I swore up and down when I was a kid that they'd never be able to pull off I Pariah. I don't think I know like, what Pariah is. That's why. <laughs> yeah, no. Pariah is a very difficult character to pull off with the Crisis story, oh. but Tom Cavanaugh has proven his acting chops so yeah. many times. He's a key player in the Crisis. Oh, yeah. But he's such an obscure character oh. that I never, ever, ever thought in a million years that they'd be able to do it. And then they're just like, "Yeah, we're gonna do Infinite Crisis." I'm like, "All right, let's do this." Yeah. Yay. And especially like they're doing Harbinger. I mean, that's gonna be. Li- um, 
See, I should have seen, seen that coming because her name's Lila. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like... <laughs> I should have seen that coming a mile away. Yeah, but I mean, I just can't wait till we get there. I mean, like the shows have come back pretty strong and how they're going to tie in everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a fun way to end mm-hmm. the year. And obviously... The one person they haven't spoken... Oh, the two people they haven't spoken a lot about who are on the show are Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher. Yeah, there's got to be a cameo. Yeah, there has to be. Like that final episode with the baby. Yeah. Ha- oh yeah. They have to introduce Jonathan. They yeah. Gotta do it. They have to introduce my little super boy. Oh, it'd be. Oh. I love that kid. That'd be a, that'd be so epic. This needs to happen. All right, that's I'm gonna start hashtagging as soon as we're done recording into CW until I get banned. That's all we got for this week. So. For Just Incredible and Crisis Cosplay, let's give you shout-outs. Where can our listeners find you, and where are you guys up to after the episode? Uh, real quick, one more thing I want to say that I always say when it comes to cosplay is that um, it doesn't matter uh, what you look like, what you identify as. You can cosplay as whatever you want because it's artistic liberty. Like, it's artistic interpretation. You can change a costume and a character to match who you are physically or personality-wise. That is the best part about cosplay. Do not let anybody ever tell you you cannot do something. Unless um, it's blackface. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, you can make it yours. That's that's the best part about it. I always forget. Like, You're I'm, not too fat to do something. You're not too skinny to do something. You're not too weak to be Superman. Mm-hmm. You're not too bearded to be Wonder Woman. It, it, we see some crazy stuff in New York Comic Con, and I love every single minute of it. You can do, if you... Justin's getting too excited with the microphone. <laughs> if, so. if, if you can think up the costume and get it to and wear it, you can absolutely do it. Do not let people tell you you can't do something. It is, it's not their choice. It is yours. And if they don't like it, oh well. That's, yeah. that's again, their choice not to it's it's not about them it's it's about you like i've said a couple times so oh no absolutely no you you hit the nail right in the head i mean that's the whole thing about cosplay is interpreting your character your fandom into your art yes absolutely um and don't care what anybody else thinks and if you have issues conceptualizing a design because you can't draw or something do not be afraid to reach out to people who can do it for you obviously expect to pay them for their work because that is their art form you don't get anything for free in this world um, if you do get stuff for free from people, that's cool. But, y- you know, it's, I have a, um, one of my friends is an art- artist and she's a fantastic designer and I wouldn't have been able to do one of my cosplays for BronyCon if she didn't draw it for me. Her, um, Instagram handle is Gab Sketches. She's an amazing artist. She takes all kinds of commissions. Um, but she has been able to draw up designs for costumes for me a couple of times, and without her help, I wouldn't have been able to cosplay as these characters because I can't really conceptualize certain things. Um, but yeah, you guys can find me, um, Crisis Cosplay on Instagram and Facebook, but it's C-H, not C-R. It's because my name is Chrissy, so it's like Chrissy's Cosplay, but Crisis, because my life is an existential crisis. Well played. (laughs) (laughs) You can find me on Facebook at Just Incredible Cosplay or on Instagram at Just Incredible underscore cosplay. And you can also catch me on the Song Around Facebook page every Wednesday at about 3.30-ish for the new comic uh, for the new comics update, which I do live uh, every week. And uh, you can actually catch us this upcoming Saturday at the Binghamton Halloween Parade. Uh, we'll be... Um, 
marching with a bunch of other great cosplayers from the area uh, under the Sound Around banner. Uh, Sound Around, uh, you can find on the Festival Parkway. And uh, we'll be handing out free comic books and some candy to the kids. And, of course, after the fact, uh, we'll be at Sound Around proper from 2 to 4 for Halloween Comic Fest, where we'll be handing out even more free comic books at the store. So you definitely don't want to miss out on that. We're going to be having sales all day. And uh, I think, do we have anything else that we got coming up? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think that's it. Yeah. So you definitely have to stay tuned to Crisis Cosplay, social media, Just Incredible Cosplay, social media. They have a lot going on, even though they're forgotten right now. But is the easiest way to find them, because especially if you are into cosplay, they're the two that you need to follow and definitely keep track of. Mm -hmm. They do great work. And, I mean, honestly, I'm blown away by the stuff they do. And I'm so happy that you guys came on the show. Thank you. We're happy to be here. I've been, like, blushing this whole time because you keep going, they're, like, the best cosplayers. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> well, no, I, no, because I say this on, and I, I mean this truly, that I feel that we bring the best of the best of who we can bring on to talk because we want the, the passionate fans or the passionate cosplayers that can talk to fans and really demonstrate your passions. Like, you know, why is this important to do? Because for cosplay, if you're not into the cosplay community, you're looking outside in and going, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So we try bringing on the best people that we feel. And I will stand there. You can at me at OD Parlay Hour. I will debate this with you. <laughs> come at me. That we invite the best people on. And the ones that want to come on, they demonstrate this each episode. And I will even say, look at last year's episodes. We are still getting downloads mm-hmm. for wow. Scott Dixon and Mike Blakesley. That's exciting. That, came yeah. up, that people are still shooting DMs and going, when are you having cosplayers on? And I keep telling them this year, we have the best cosplay lineup on podcast bar none i i can't tell you how much i appreciate that like this i want to just spread the love that is cosplay um because it has become a huge deal in my life and i really appreciate being here today so no i mean absolutely you guys are welcome to come back anytime i love that yeah absolutely i mean because i mean not just cosplay, but year round i mean something's going on you guys want to come back on and talk about heck yes swing through Yeah, definitely, because like I say, Costober is 30 days. On a calendar year, it's 365 or 366, pending the year (laughs) otherwise. So definitely, if you want to know about cosplay, we got the episodes coming up. Like I said, Mike and Binghamton Webhead are up next, so that'll be a fun episode. And then Alaska's coming through. She's just taking over YouTube and Twitch. I will tell you about her off air. And, I mean, Scott's due back – God, sometime in like November, December. We're trying to work schedules out. Right on. Yeah, so like I said, we have the best of the best of the cosplayers. Come at me at OD Parlay Hour. <laughs> we'll chat. You can find that social media account on OchoDuroParlayHour.com. You can find the music that you hear on this episode, such as Shout at the Robots under the music section, Parlay Points, where we do the comics blog with Brian Rhodes. He's on there. We do the complimentary blogs otherwise on there. You can find our friends, 3 Fed Nerds, Horizon 607, Hashtag 607 Podcast. You can find Mike Blakesley. He has his photography social media up there. You need to go check him out. If you're a cosplayer and you haven't got your picture done by Mike, I can't help you. You need to get that done ASAP. What can I say? OchoDoraParleyHour.com. You can find everything that you need for the ODPH. We have it on there. So, like I said once, and I'll say it again, that's all we got for this week. So, for Just Incredible Cosplay. Yeah. For Crisis Cosplay. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show, guys. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. <laughs>